Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Dylan Hughes, the curveball today is a little bit of a sad one. Your boy, Kyrie Thomas, was cut by the Houston Rockets. Dylan Hughes, is this betrayal by Raphael Stone? Does that equate to the betrayal by Sam Presti trading away Hamadou Diallo for you? Obviously, it's with a heavy heart that I have to discuss this, but, you know... Kyrie Thomas has at least been kind of around the the league at this point a little bit. He hasn't really had much of a chance to show his stuff. And yes, he had a great close to the season last year, but it was garbage time. No one cares at that point. So if you want to just throw that out the window, I get it. They've got some guards. It's fine. Hamanu Diallo was a great And I'm saying great, okay? He was a great player for the Thunder. And all because, and he wasn't really contributing to wins either, you know? So there was no reason, aside from money, to trade him. And why in the hell would the Thunder worry about money when they have no one on their roster making money? So it's just... Sam Presti still is on my shit list. He has a lot of work to do. And this season, he may do it. Like, he may he may do it. It's not like he's got to dig out of a super deep hole, even though I, I still hated the trade. It's not that big of a betrayal, but it still hurt, and it still does hurt right now. I don't think you'll ever. I think we could be doing this podcast in 2035, and I bring up Hamadou Diallo, and you'll shake your head in dismay. In dismay, I don't think you'll ever. I just don't think you'll ever get over trading Hamadou Diallo to the Pistons for Svi Mikhailuk. By the way, Hamadou Diallo. We'll talk about that more next week. I think he's going to play great next to Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to get a lot of dunks. You know, Cade's a great passer. Who's to say? I think that you know you might see some weird lineups where you see Hamadou Diallo as the screen setter and roll man. Yeah, and and this is why I like him, and this is why I like Zaire Smith who is another one of my favorites that has fallen. I will say my my list of favorites over the past few years is not working out great for me. Um, so, you know, my future as a scout slash GM is, in, is, is a little bit in trouble right now. But I still believe in those guys, and I think it's the fact that they haven't gotten the right chance. But – the thunder. I think the Thunder are going to see this year that they messed up. Okay, like Detroit has basically done the same thing, but much better. Like they have way more young talent. I think Shea is probably still the best prospect out of both teams right now. But I, I mean, the neck, the rest of the list, damn near, is all on the Pistons. So yeah, there's going to be some fun stuff this year, and. The lineups are going to get wonky. Like there's there's a lot of opportunity for basically no floor spacing, which is going to be interesting to see how that works out. But hey, I mean, I'm, I'm all here for it. They're not trying to win. So who cares? I do have to say I, I we need to move on because there's a lot to discuss today. 
but I have to say that this podcast is probably the podcast that has talked the most about Zaire Smith in the year 2021, including Sixers podcasts, including any other kind of podcast. We have to be the one that has brought up Zaire Smith the most. And I don't think I've brought him up a single time. It's incredible how much you still believe in him. I, I want him to succeed in the league for you so badly. I just, I don't know how to, you know, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to say you are the Dylan Hughes. You are the person keeping Zaire Smith hype alive in the, in the NBA atmosphere right now. It's my role on earth at this point. There's a lot of good I can do. And I choose to keep Zaire Smith living. That's just what I've chosen. So, well, he's not dead. Let's, let's make that abundantly clear. <laughs> he's not dead because I keep talking about him. If, if I stop, he will die. It's just a fact. And so you're saying you have the power to keep Zaire Smith. Like you are keeping him alive. Once you die, Zaire Smith will die. Is that what I'm hearing? That, that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. That's basically what I'm saying. That feels um, smiteable in at least five different religions. So let's <laughs> go ahead. And hey, it, it's, hey, God is God is the one empowering me to do this. Okay. I, I don't, He's, I don't like, I don't like where this is heading. You know, sometimes you got to question God's judgment, and this might be one of those times. But, folks, let's let's go ahead and move on to why we're here today. We are here to discuss our Western Conference ceiling and floors. I will be out next week, so we will be getting the Eastern Conference ceilings and floors the week the NBA season begins. We are two weeks away, less than two weeks away from NBA tip-off season, the tip the tip off of the NBA season. You would think I would learn how to use my words correctly on a podcast by now, but you know, maybe someday. So the way we're going to do this is Dylan kind of ordered the teams and the, the, like basically he tiered them in the order he placed them. And we're going to just go through Dylan's list and we're going to give our ceilings and floors. And I think that'll be a pretty accurate representation of how we feel about all these Western conference teams. We're probably not going to spend a lot of time talking about the rockets and thunder. There's just not a lot to talk about there, but um, there's a lot to talk about with some of the other teams. So Dylan, let's start with your first team. Who is the first team that you have on your list and their ceiling and floor? Okay. So first of all, should we start, from the best to the worst of the worst of the best. Let's do the worst of the best. So that way we can get the worst ones out of the way first. Okay. So I have five tiers and the bottom tier is the fifth tier. And I have two teams in those tiers and they're, they're both the same ceiling and floor. So I have the Spurs and Rockets as the, they have an ele- a floor of 11 so I'm not giving them a chance to make the play in, but I'm giving them a chance to be better than the worst team in the, the league, basically. And then obviously I'm giving them a chance to also be the worst team in the league. And okay. So the Spurs, it seems disrespectful. I get it. But what, what about this roster is enticing to you? Okay. So, you know, you mentioned the thunder as a team. We're not going to talk about a lot, but as I just said, they have Shea Gildas Alexander and I think Shea Gildas Alexander has gone a bit underrated. I mean, he, in the past two years, he's had a pretty good impact on winning. Like obviously when Chris Paul was there, it was a lot easier, but even last year when they had him, they were a much different team than they were without him. And who knows how the season would have finished if he was healthy the whole time. But 
let's just look at this starting roster for the Spurs, okay? So we have DeJounte Murray and Derek White, obviously two players that we both like a lot. Doug McDermott starting at the three. Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pertl. Outside of DeJounte Murray, who who is playing defense in that group? I mean, you know, Doug McDermott, known for his defense, obviously. If Dan Burke is there, but I, I don't think Dan Burke is there. I mean, and it, so, listen, we love Keldon Johnson. Jakob Pertl proved last year that he is not a starting center. Doug McDermott has proved his whole career that he is not a starting anything. And Derek White, again, we love the kid. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He's just, he gets hurt every year. Lonnie Walker has proven to be good some days and terrible other days. Devin Vassell is fine. And like, you know, Thad Young is great off the bench, but I mean, they lost Patty Mills. They lost Amar. I, I see them only going down. And let's see, they were the they were 33 and 39 last year. And what is that? Like the ninth, they were the 10th. That was best. the 10th seed. Yeah. So they were the 10th seed last year. The teams beneath them have gotten better and they've gotten worse. I, I don't see any scenario. I mean, obviously I see a scenario where they could still finish 11th and I'm giving credit to Murray. I'm giving credit to pop, but I have a hard time seeing them finish any better than that. And I think in all likelihoods, they're going to at least be a bottom three team in the West. Uh, Yeah. I had their ceiling at 12 and I had their floor at 15. I did a realistic one and my realistic was 13, 14. I can't see a way that they're the worst team in the West because I think that there's, you know, the Rockets and the Thunder are just both younger than they are. And I think they, you know, are trying to lose more than the Spurs will, but (laughs) you just, you said it, the Spurs have no talent on this roster. (laughs) Like absolutely none. Like DeJounte Murray was the only guy either of us had from their team making the top 100. I almost had Derek White to be fair, but still Derek White would have been a hundredth, right? That would have been like the 62nd and 100th best players in the NBA. That's not enough. Well, okay, they have Thad, but we both agree Thad's not going to be there past the trade deadline one way or the other, right? So you have, you know, those guys. And then Vassell's promising. I'd say Vassell and Keldon are the two most promising of like their young guys right now between Trey Jones, um, Lonnie Walker, Lucas Samanich. They just don't have a lot of talent. And I, this isn't a very exciting roster at all. <laughs> and yeah, I think that there's a chance they're the worst team in the NBA. I just trust pop enough. Like it's not deserved, right? There's more high end talent on Houston. There's more high end talent on San Antonio or on Oklahoma city, but pop has earned an incredible benefit of the doubt where I don't think they will be the worst, but I, there's no way they sniff the play into me. None. I think that, of all the teams from last year's playoffs, like playoffs and play-ins, they're the one guaranteed to fall out. There's bound to be another, but they're the one that's guaranteed to not make the playoff or play in next year. Yeah, again, like they've made zero improvement. And as you mentioned, Thad is gone. He's probably going to go to another one of these West teams. It's just going to get better. And like, you know, the other team we're talking about is the Rockets. And like the Rockets are younger. 
But as far as talent, obviously they're killing the Spurs. Okay. So let's talk about this starting lineup. Kevin Porter Jr., who I don't think we can trust. And I'll also preface and say that this is obviously John Wall is still on the roster, but it doesn't seem like he's in a play. So that's, we're kind of just assuming that's the case. Um, so Kevin Porter Jr., he was awesome at the end of last year, but it was kind of like Kyrie Thomas. I mean, same team where it's like, who knows what's real? You know, scoring 50 points is not easy, but uh, what's the backup on um, the Blazers name? Backup point. Simons. Guard? Yeah. Anthony Simons. And he scored 50 like that. He is not a 50 point scorer. Like, I mean, technically he is like he's a good scorer. But he's not going to just be able to take over for Dame tomorrow because he dropped 50 points once. Like, it was – I'm pretty sure it was the very last game of the season when he did that or, like, the last week. And Kevin Porter, I mean, like, he didn't do that the last week of the season. But it's – I'm not saying he can't do it. Like, he was – I think – I'm pretty sure he was a first-round pick. Like, he – you know, with Cleveland, he was a good player. He has just had some issues, and he ended up in Houston for that reason. But we have to see it still. Jalen Green, second overall pick, seems to be, you know, potentially one of the upcoming scorers of the league. He'll be great, but he's also a rookie. Eric Gordon. I mean, who knows at this point? I, I was funny because I was watching ESPN earlier and they were advertising the Rockets and whoever the Rockets play tomorrow. And Eric Gordon was the like the showcase player from the Rockets. It's like, this just shows where the Rockets are at right now. Eric Gordon basically didn't even play last year. And he's another guy that's probably going to end up getting traded. So, and then you've got Daniel Tice and Christian Wood. I mean, we love Christian Wood. We love Daniel Tice, but I I don't know. Like Christian Wood, I think is a game changer. Daniel Tice is more of like a complimentary piece and complimentary pieces on bad teams are kind of just unnecessary. So, I wouldn't be shocked if Tice got traded at some point too to a team that really wanted him. I mean, I think I trust the bench more than the starting unit. Like DJ Augustine, Jason Tate, Kenyon Martin Jr., who I think showed some pretty good stuff last year. And then Alperin Shangoon, the rookie, who's apparently the next Jokic. So, I mean, the I think we're going to have more fun watching that bench unit. But And then you've got Daniel Haas Jr. Like, they've got interesting pieces, but In the they're not gonna, Yeah. But they're just – they're not going to win games. But I still I, – I could, I could see them being better than the Spurs just because of talent. Obviously, they're so much younger. It probably won't happen. But either way, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the West. And don't forget about my boy uh, Garuba, who apparently is playing in the NBA this year. It was a question because he had a really big buyout. He was playing either at Barcelona or Madrid, but he had like a huge buyout. But Garuba was locking dudes down for Spain in the Olympics, right? Like that dude's going to come in and play defense right away. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starting power forward, honestly. Like I had their ceiling at 10 and obviously their floor is at 15. And, you know, ceiling is like everything breaks perfectly right and in this scenario that would be Jalen Green basically having a Michael Jordan type rookie season (laughs) where he averages 25 points a game you know the rub on Michael Jordan coming out of college was like oh you know Dean Smith was the only person who could guard him and then he comes into the NBA and Michael Jordan's rookie season he averaged 28 points a game I don't think that's possible in today's NBA I think that takes a lot of work but if he could average like 25 points a game you know you have Gordon sticks around um, Augustine 
everyone, like all the vets, you know, start getting threes, House, Tice, they are all playing well. Um, Tate takes a step forward. Kevin Porter Jr. takes a step forward, whatever that looks like. And I think you have a really talented, you have a really talented team here. I don't think there's any way they win, right? Personally, I don't think there's any way they get to the 10 seed. I'm just not going to put it out of the realm of possibilities because a lot of people like Jalen Green. A lot of people like what he can do as a scorer. And plus, I have a lot of respect for Steven Silas as a coach after what he, yeah, they only won 17 games last year. Their offense was electric the whole year with a rotating cast of centers, rotating cast of people, you know, playing whatever position. And I mean, he, Kelly Olynyk was a 20 and 10 player under Steven Silas, right? That tells you everything you need to know. I think he actually averaged 18 and nine, but the point stands. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk averaging 18 and nine should never happen. And I think Steven Silas is a great coach and I don't think this will be the year things break right for him, but I would not be surprised at all if we're talking about the Rockets, like a legit play in contender by next season. Yeah. I think next season is a good projection. And again, I, I think Christian Wood really goes overlooked. I mean, we were talking about him a lot last year when, when you had John Wall healthy in the beginning of the season and, you know, James Harden was there for a little bit and he was, he was eating Big Macs during practice. It was just a mess. But Christian Wood was showing out either way. And he got hurt for a long time. And that w- that really gave Houston the green light to just say, fuck it, let's go get the a top pick. Because if they didn't, they would have lost it to OKC. But, yeah, I think he's kind of a sleeper in all this. I mean, he's going to help those young guards get what they want, really. Like, I don't think – we talk enough about the impact that centers can have on young guards. I mean, we talked about it last week with, with jaw and JB, um, how, you know, having a great screener and just a guy that can get open and make plays, it has a huge impact on the guards. And I think he's going to really help them. And hell, even Shane Goon might, you know, we'll have to see. He might, you never know. I think that, there's a lot of ways this Rockets team could go. I think Tice, just real quick, I think Tice replicating that Wood role, like he could do, not like everything Christian Wood can do, obviously, but he could do it like about 25% as well, right? I think defensively Tice is better than Christian Wood. I don't think that's a controversial statement, but on offense, you know, he can shoot a little bit. He can pass a little bit. He can finish a little bit. And having that production for 48 minutes a game, I think will be good for their young guards. They have a lot of young guards. We didn't even mention Josh Christopher. They had four first round picks this year (laughs) and they're going to have a lot of mouths to feed, but I think that it'll all, um, it'll all work out in the long run. If they, you know, if they don't jump the gun here, if they don't let Chris Wallace have too much say over their uh, scouting department. Um, But let's, I think now's a good time to move on to your next team. Your next team your next, who's in your next tier, and let's go team by team there. Okay, so the fourth tier, I guess I'll just do the worst first. So the next one is the Kings, and I guess I had the Thunder and the Kings as the same, so I might as well just throw them in there. Um, I have them with a ceiling of 10 and a floor of 13. So I basically see very few scenarios where they're worse than the Spurs and Rockets, but – I all, I'm also giving them a chance to make the play-in as the worst team in the play-in. 
And like the Kings are another team that I don't think improved too much in the offseason. I mean, we we all know how I feel about Marvin Bagley, so I don't need to go into that. But I mean, you got Davion Mitchell, which is great, but as we've talked about basically all summer, that was not a position of need. So you're adding depth to your strongest position. You know, it's like it's great, but it's probably more valuable as trade bait than anything. And I mean, we may see that. I think Heald is on the table, Bagley's on the table, uh, Harrison Barnes is on the table. Like, if you want to pair any of those guys with Mitchell, I don't know. Maybe you get Ben Simmons. Maybe you get whoever else becomes available at some point. So, you know, that that's something to look into, and that's something that could change what their ceiling ends up as. But right now, this team has basically been the same for like three straight years. There's not a ton of difference. I mean, Tyrese Halburn has been great, but Tyrese Halburn is one of those guys that, uh, as we talked about before with George Hill, he's like a floor raiser, but the ceiling is not raising much with him. He's a, he's a great starter. He's a great guy to have come out and run your bench too. I mean, he's, he's a positive addition to your team, but he's not helping you win a ton of games on his own. He's there to compliment, you know, that best guy, which happens to be De'Aaron Fox on this team. And because of De'Aaron Fox and because of the potential of everyone else being awesome, I give them a chance to make the play in, but I, again, I obviously lean towards the likelihood of that happening as low because I don't want to say the Kings have had good health history, but they haven't been beaten up as a lot of these bad teams usually are, and they still don't make the playoffs every year. So even if they have good health, it doesn't really give me great promise that they're all of a sudden going to make it. Like, I don't think health has been their major issue. So what else could it be? They haven't infused a bunch of new talent. So there's really no reason for me to think that they're anything more than the worst team in the playoffs, basically. So, okay. Can I, so my ceiling for them is ninth. My floor for them is 13th. I'm a little bit surprised that I'm higher on the Kings than you, but then I had like four of their players or I had pretty much all their starting five in my top 100. So I'm actually not that surprised. All things considered. Here's the thing. So I wrote down their rotations. I didn't do this for the Eastern conference last year for whatever reason, but I did it for the West. And so look, I comparing them from this year to last year, last year's it was Fox healed Barnes Bagley Holmes as their starters. Then you had Halliburton, Glenn Robinson, Whiteside and Bielitsa coming off your bench. Right. I still think Bielitsa is good, whatever Pat or Eric Spolster disagrees, whatever. Um, This year though, and I think you'll see where I'm coming from here. This year, it's going to be Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Barnes, Holmes as your starters, which I think makes a lot more sense. I mean, yeah, it's going to give up a lot of points, but the the offense will be still really good. Then off the bench, you have Mitchell, Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless, Tristan Thompson, right? You have Who would you rather have right now, Dylan? Mo Harkless or Glenn Robinson, right? Who would you rather have? Tristan Thompson or his son, Whiteside? So they didn't get better, like... They didn't make a home run swing, but I'd say they hit, you know, a double (laughs) and they got, you know, a couple of singles as well. Like they, you know, and they scored a run, right? Did they need, did they clear the bases? Absolutely not. 
but they moved the runners around, you know, the base running was good. I'm going to keep this baseball analogy going. No, I'm not. But I think that the Kings got a little better. And I think the conference, they're in the position of the bottom of the conference is getting a lot worse around them. Right? Like, the Rockets, we talked about them. They're not going to be great next year. The Thunder, in all likelihood, are not going to be great. Um, the Spurs are going to fall off, right? Those three teams really have been staples of the Western Conference playoffs for the last 13, or for, basically since the start of 2010, those three teams have made the playoffs damn near every single year, right? So... The Pelicans, you could argue whether or not they got better. We'll talk about them later. The Wolves are the Wolves. <laughs> so you might get into the play-in by sheer luck, right? Like, I don't think they're better than the nine best teams in the, the West. I think that there's a chance they could get the ninth seed, but I think that's very low. I could very easily see them making the 10th seed just based off the defense going from catastrophic to bad because their offense is very good. This is a very talented offensive team. And I'm just curious to see which direction they'll go. I wouldn't be surprised that they start Mitchell and bring Halliburton off the bench again. I just feel like there's a lot of different ways you could go with this team. And I just don't think that there's a way that they'll, the Thunder, the Rockets, or the Spurs will finish over them. I don't think that's very likely to me. Okay, here's the thing. If you just want to look at last year's standings, the only team that I think is going to fall out of the playoff race is the Spurs. So, and that's my opinion. Maybe you think differently, but though you have one spot, we still have Minnesota to talk about. We still have the Pelicans to talk about. Now I'm not going to throw all my eggs in the basket of either of those teams because who the hell knows but I definitely feel a lot better about betting on them than the Kings because those two teams have actually made improvements over the past two years. And, you know, you can talk about the Thunder and the Rockets, but they were at the bottom of the standings last year and the Kings didn't take advantage of that. So I don't, I just don't really have any reason to believe that anything is going to change this year unless they start Mitchell and he's the best defensive guard in the league. And he knocked down a bunch of threes. Like, And I'm not saying that's out of the realm of possibility, but that is basically their only hope of kind of some upside. Outside of that, it's a bunch of guys you already know. And they're fine, but they're fringe playoff at the best. I mean, I would agree with that, right? Like, I think that the the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Wolves are the three teams I think will fight for that last play-in spot. I don't think any of the nine other teams from last year will fall off. I just wouldn't... I'd give the Kings a puncher's chance just because, you know, I do think they got better from last year. Like, is it a whole lot... Again, is it a whole lot better? No. But, you know, I can make the same... The Wolves are have basically the same fucking team. They just swapped out, you know, Rubio for Prince and uh, Beverly. And we saw last year in the playoffs, Beverly got exposed a lot. And you are not the biggest Torian Prince fan, you know, the, to the degrees of which we might <laughs> we might disagree about. But I just don't think that there's a whole lot of difference between those three teams. I think those three teams are all pretty similar to me, at least. I think that, you know, again, I just don't see a world where the Kings aren't fighting for the 10th spot. Will they get it? Probably not. I would have them as the lowest 
among those three teams because I'm really high on Minnesota. But I'm not going to act like they don't have a chance. That's just that's just me, though. I mean, yeah, like I, I gave them a chance in the 10 seed. Like I recognize that that's but that's their ceiling, you know, like if they have to have literally everything go right. And that's not only with them, that's also the other teams competing. Like they basically need Zion and cat to get hurt. <laughs> like that's kind of their hope. And it's possible. Like it's, it's sports, you know, anything could happen. But again, I, I think the odds are pretty low, but they still have a shot. They still have a shot. And so let's talk about the thunder now. Um, and you said you have the same ceiling and floor for the thunder. Are you basically betting on the thunder's talent, like all kind of breaking through this year? Yeah. I mean, again, I think SGA is the best talent pretty much in the bottom of the West in general. Like, I mean, even including, well, I guess I can't include the wolves, but outside of that, I mean, SGA is, I think, I don't know if he'll be a superstar, but like, he's got that potential. I mean, I really think he's been overlooked. He's, I think he's probably one of the, I mean, I don't know what the numbers say, but just from eye test, I think he's one of the best finishers in the league. His shot gets better every year. He's obviously a great defender and passer. So everything's there. And Lou Dort, I mean, come on. Lou Dort is our guy and he'll be our guy forever. And I think he's going to get even more comfortable this year. Josh Giddy, we'll see, you know, he, he seems like he's got some talent and playing alongside those two in particular, I think he'll be a good fit. He seems like a guy that's kind of like maybe a, a tertiary handler and then spot up shooter type of guy, like, like maybe Tyler hero type. Again, I haven't seen too much, but that's, that would be a nice fit um, next to those two. And then obviously you've got Poku who I'm assuming is coming off the bench I mean, who knows at this point and probably for his little 110 pound body, it'd be nice for him to just play against bench guys. But I mean, obviously he's a guy with a ton of upside and he can give them um, some, some great games. Basley was one of the most interesting players in the league. I think last year where he had moments where he's like, Holy shit, this guy is like the next star. I mean, he had some games scoring-wise where he was awesome. I mean, he had some games where he's, like, unstoppable. Like, he was kind of, like, a different level of MPJ a little bit where he was just getting everything he wanted in the post. Like, he was hitting shots. Like, he was doing it all. And then there was other games where he would score, like, four points. So, it's like, I, I don't know. You know, you don't know what to expect out of him, but – the Thunder don't need him to be the best scorer. So I guess it doesn't really matter too much what he does. Um, if it's bad, if it's good, it's going to help them. Um, and then, you know, Teo Maladon is interesting. Kendrick Williams is a guy I've liked for years. Uh, he got some run last year with them. You know, Derek Favors is like somehow on this team. <laughs> and Isaiah Roby showed some stuff last year. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a team that could definitely fall flat at, flat on its face, but I still don't even know their coach's name because I care so little about them right now. But the, he seems like a good coach. Like some of this, they like they fought hard last year. Like they had a bunch of random people on the floor, and you kind of fell in love with all of them, you know. And I think you got to give credit to the coach for that that he was giving guys opportunities, and they just seem like a team that works hard. And that's that's kind of one of those. Um, 
I guess it's a cliche. It's kind of one of those corny things you say about young teams, but Hey, I mean, sometimes that translates to wins when they get better. Right. And I think so. Okay. As everyone knows who listens to this, I am the leader of the Poku hive. I do not try to hide it. I love the way he plays. I don't think he's going to be ready even this year. I think he needs another year. He needs to put on at least 20 more pounds. <laughs> at least. At least I, 200 pounds, yeah. Like, he needs to hit the scale at 200. That's I don't think that's unreasonable, Poku. But he's bursting with potential. Um, Basically, like you said, is bursting with the potential. I think Maladon could be one of the best backup point guards in the league. Like... And I think there's a good chance he's a starter someday. I think he's pretty good. Like, they threw him into the fire last year, and he wasn't terrible, <laughs> right? And for a rookie point guard who wasn't projected to be much, like, you know, Dylan, you you know, you were pretty impressed with how Ja handled himself his rookie year, right? But we Ja was the second pick in the draft. We kind of expected him to be, you know, if not great, then really good coming into his rookie season. Teo Maladon didn't shit the bed <laughs> as a guy with like almost no expectations. And he did like, he did really well. And the fires might forge him this year. It also might've forged some bad habits, but we'll see. I think a, a guy, a sneaky pickup they had was uh Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I really love that kid at Villanova. He's like a kind of do everything kind of like in the Eric Pascal mold, who also went to Villanova, like, He's not the biggest forward, like he's six seven, but he can shoot, he can rebound, he does like a lot of the little things, and I think that'll be an interesting fit for them. I have their ceiling at thirteenth and their floor at fifteenth. And I realize I could be wrong here <laughs> because I could see their talent popping this year. I just don't think it's this year. I would venture a guess to say I would block them in almost as a playoff twenty twenty three team like as a team that makes like the top eight in 2023, like they have a lot of talent that could pop in 2023. That would be, that wouldn't be surprising to me at all. But if Shea averages like 30 points a game this year, you know, like, or if he does what Zach Levine did last season, the West is the bottom of the West is weak enough where he could bring them to the top of of the playing board or the bottom of it, I suppose, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, that's really what I'm tying tying the ceiling to and and I'm going to give Dort some credit too because I do think Dort is a really impactful player but obviously Shea is the the leader of that pack and again on both sides of the floor he he's just awesome and he's going to keep getting better and hey he's got some money to his name now as well so I mean he's got to show up <laughs> and I don't I don't doubt that he won't um so yeah, like I, I definitely recognize the bottom could crumble on this team because it's just a bunch of 23-year-olds, basically. But, I mean, again, like you've got some some really nice talent here. And the bottom of the West is just so tough right now and tough in a bad way that they easily could could just beat all those teams out. A bunch of 23-year-olds and Derek Favors. And... <laughs> I think that's a good and Kendrick Williams is secretly sneaky old. I think he'll be on a contender by the end of the year. I'm surprised the contender didn't scoop him up a contender that needed forward death. Didn't scoop him up last year, but let's uh, move on to your, I'm assuming those two teams were your fourth tier. Who is your, in your third tier Dylan? Um, So I actually have one more and it's probably not fair. I probably, now that I look at it, I definitely shouldn't have done it this way, but uh, screw it. 
we're already here. So I, I went ahead and just put the wolves at the top of that list. Um, the wolves, like they're better than the thunder and the Kings, but I would say that I trust them less than the other teams in that tier. And I think that's kind of why I did it this way. So we've talked about the wolves really going back to last year that we thought this year they would really pop because you've got cat and you've got cat under Finch who seems to kind of get him, you know, like he, he put him in a lot of different situations and it made cat a lot more dynamic on offense um, and then obviously you've got Anthony Edwards, who, again, I think is James Harden Jr. And James Harden Jr. is probably going to be a good player. <laughs> I mean, he his ability to create space on offense and pass, like his passing, I think, has been overlooked. Um, and I say that like we've been talking about him for years. It's only been a year. But I think his passing is kind of underrated at this point. And he's just a bulldog, you know. And Jaden McDaniels is, is another guy that's going to be awesome on defense. And he, he's kind of raw on offense, but, like, I think he'll come along. He, he can do some stuff, and he'll be fine. Um, and then Beasley Russell, like, you got Pat Bev on the bench. You know, I love Nas Reed. Nas Reed might be my favorite backup center in the league. He's just, he's just a fun guy to watch. Um, but, yeah, like, this, this team has a lot of talent. Toreen Prince – like, I, I dumped on him a lot last year. That was on Brooklyn. Like, once he got to Cleveland, I thought he made some major changes in his game. Because Brooklyn, he just wanted to shoot. And maybe that was his role. Maybe I've been giving him too much crap for that. He was just getting shots and putting them up. And it's like, hey, dude, you play with, like, three of the best – or two. You play with two of the best players in the world. Because that was before the Harden trade. But it's like, you play with two of the best players in the world. Maybe uh, don't put up shots so much. But he got to Cleveland. He had a lot of games where he was, like, dropping four or five assists. He was getting good rebounds. Like, he looked a lot better in Cleveland. So, maybe it was just role. Maybe it's Steve Nash to blame for that. But I thought he was a good pickup uh, for them. And he'll be good off the bench. And sadly, it, it may take – he may take minutes from my beloved Josh Okogie. But, um, you know, I get it. Josh Okogie's kind of been stagnant to this point. So, I mean, out of all these teams on the bottom, they obviously have the most high-end talent that's, like, developed because they've got Cat. And then Anthony Edwards is not fully developed, but, like, he's already really good, and he's only in his second year. And then on top of that, you've got D'Angelo Russell, who is a guy that can win games. Like, if they can stay in games, then he can make game-winning shots. He's done it his whole career, so... I don't think that they're going to – I didn't even say what my – I had my ceiling as eight. So I'm giving them a chance to basically make the playoffs like before this whole stuff, before the play-in started. Like they're like a fringe playoff team. And in this new age of basketball, that means they're a play-in team. So the floor was 11. So I, I, I see a world where they could miss the play-in. But, again – we kind of have to cook in injuries in that estimate. And if they lose Edwards or Cat, they have a very good chance of being passed up by teams. So that's kind of what that's about. But, yeah, I, I think they could make the eighth seed, and that would give them just – they just need one win, and they'd be in. So that that's kind of how I see them right now. 
My only problem with the Wolves right now is they have a glaring hole at the four, right? You have McDaniels, who is, we both love, right? And that's not an understatement. You and I both are very huge Jaden McDaniels fans. And then you have Jared Vanderbilt, who signed like a three-year, $13 million contract in restricted free agency. And he lasted until like the middle of August to resign with the Wolves. Or not the middle of August, like the middle of last month. So they don't, and Vanderbilt's fine, but he doesn't do a lot of stuff for you. Obviously they're trying to fill this hole by trading for Ben Simmons. I don't think a Simmons trade is going to happen anytime soon. Um, but I just think like, you know, this is a team in desperate need of a guy. Like, let's just say they trade for Kenrich Williams, right? Who's not huge, but can play the four for you. Or you trade for a guy like they need someone who can just play minutes at the four and can do stuff, right? Like they should have gone after Jeff Green. They should have gone after, I mean, they did go after Millsap and Millsap didn't want to sign with them. And come to think of it, I can see why Jeff Green didn't want to sign in Minnesota over signing in Denver. But they needed a guy like that instead of, you know, just again, they basically retain their roster. Torian Prince isn't a four, like he's a three and he can pretty much only play the three. And that's fine. But you need someone who can play for and who can fill in minutes there admirably. And they just don't have that guy right now. And I think that that's something they should look to address. And I'd feel more confident in them if they did. My ceiling for them is ninth and my floor for them is 12th. I feel really strongly that they'll be completing for the the last play in spot. And I think that 10 seed is their destiny personally, because I don't think they're better. I don't think they're better than Memphis. And I don't think they're better than, you know, Portland, Golden State, whoever you want to throw in like that, you know, lower range of the playoff seat in the West. And I just think that they can. I would bet on the Wolves to make a lot of noise and come back in 2023 and be really competing for the playoff spot. I just or actually competing to make the playoffs. I think they'll make the play in, but barring health, obviously, a lot of these are barring health. But because if Cat misses time, they're probably going to finish 15th. And I don't think that's a disrespect to the rest of the Wolves. Cat's just that good. Um, yeah, I don't think I really have. I We've talked a lot about the Wolves. <laughs> I don't think I really have anything else to add about the Wolves, unless you have anything else to add. No, we've we've somehow talked about the Wolves more than probably every team in the league. So, yeah, we're, we're we've done our due diligence on that. <laughs> like especially during the top 100. So I, again, we've talked a lot about the wolves. This isn't any disrespect to Wolves fans because we love your team. We really do, but I just want to see it on the floor and I can't wait to watch them in the regular season. But so who's in your next tier, Dylan? Okay. So the next team I have is the blazers. I'm giving them a ceiling of six and a four of 11. Interesting. The floor is probably too low. Um, but there's just something about this team that I just don't like. And it's probably the date, the residual deem stuff from the off season. Like this team has kind of gone from overachieving to underachieving. I think a few years ago, we used to always say how Dame would carry this team to way better than it ever should have been. And, Oh, Terry Stotts is great. And all this stuff. And now Terry Stotts is gone and Dame probably doesn't want to be there. (laughs) So there's just something that's switched with this team. And listen, the talent's still great. Okay. 
you got Dame, CJ, Norm Powell, Covington, and Nurkic. It's great. You traded for Larry Nance. Ben Mackmore was a decent pickup. Like, I just feel like they have Dennis Smith Jr. too. That's kind of interesting. Um, they brought back Enos Cantor. Enos Cantor. Cody Zeller. Patrick Patterson. Like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> this actually may be the best depth they've ever had because they've never had depth. Um, mostly because Zach Collins gets hurt all the time. I think that's <laughs> kind of been the main problem. And we didn't even talk about Zach Collins, by the way, on the Spurs. So We didn't. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Zach Collins for – getting hurt every year, but maybe he'll stay healthy in San Antonio. Maybe, maybe he'll finally push Pirtle back to the bench where he belongs. He, he shouldn't ask Kawhi about the uh, San Antonio training staff though. Yeah, probably not. It, it, you know, I understand the the bag was offered, but uh, maybe should have looked into that more. But anyway, there's just, it's just kind of something that stinks. I don't know. And like, you know, someone's getting hurt, you know, someone's getting hurt. It's probably going to be Nurkic. It could be Covington. Like someone's going to get hurt. And we're at a, this is the point of the West now where it's very tight. Like I want to look at last year's standing because there was a, like from the Mavericks down to Golden State, there were three games separating them. So that was five teams within three games of each other. I think it's going to get even tighter than that this year. I think you could have. I don't know, six or seven teams like in three to four games of each other all season. So, man, you lose one of your starters and that that could be it. And that's kind of what we're just talking about the Wolves, too. And, you know, you know, injuries are going to happen. So we have to talk about them. And obviously any team could suffer injuries, but this is a team of guys that are all kind of fairly old. Like they're all kind of prime age to almost exiting their prime. So it's like, I don't know. Like we see Nurkic get hurt a lot. I mean, Covington has a lot of, a lot of miles on his body. McCollum seems to get something every year. So if one of those big guys goes down, then you've Dame has got to just claw them back again. And I mean, Dame's a professional. He's going to do it. But he may just say, screw this, like, get me out of here by the trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but we didn't think he would demand a trade ever. And he it seems like he did in the offseason. I don't think it was official or anything, but there was a lot of reporting around it. So there's just something about this team that stinks. I love the talent. I love the players, but I just I'm not a fan right now. So I had a, a comparison for and I think you'll really like this one for kind of what Dame's been through in Portland. I I had a very high variance on this team, I'll say. Let me give my ceiling and floor first before I get into my comparison. My ceiling for them was third. I think if everything breaks right, they could be the third seed. I also think that their seal, I had their floor at 10. <laughs> I could see a lot of stuff going wrong for them. And you're right. This is a stake-bitten team. But here's my comparison, Dylan Hughes, okay? My comparison for Damian Lillard, since LaMarcus Aldridge left, this is an important distinction. The The comparison I have is Minnesota, Kevin Garnett. And the thing about Kevin Garnett in Minnesota was they won like two playoff series his entire time there. How many playoff series has Damian Lillard won since LaMarcus Aldridge left? Three. He won the first round in 2016. Obviously, they made the conference finals in 2019. And that's it. 
They haven't won shit since he's been there. They've wasted his prime. Like this man is has been a top 10 player. I think we'd agree for years now. He's been one of the 10 best players, I would say, since LaMarcus left Portland. I don't think that's a controversial statement. And they've just wasted it. Not giving him good enough teammates, refusing to trade CJ McCollum. I mean, that relationship should have probably ended in 2018 after Drew Holiday and Rondo pants the both of them, right? That probably should have ended then. And it just isn't going to work. The team would work so much better if you traded CJ for a wing, right? A wing who could play defense and just slid Norm Powell into CJ's spot. You're not losing that much by sliding Norm Powell there. And you're going to get a better defender in Norm to go alongside Dame. And you're going to get a wing person who can, like, for CJ McCollum, you could get an average wing, right? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think CJ is that, like, you know, whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. I just feel like they've wasted Dame's prime. And it's going to be another wasted year where they're going to show a lot of promise in the regular season. And then they're going to face like the Clippers in the first round and they're going to get cooked. I just don't see any way that this team wins a playoff series at all this year. I think they could make, I think there's a strong chance they avoid the play in. I just don't see any way they win a series. Yeah. I mean, they're one of just a few teams in the West really that doesn't have the ability to like defend the best players in the league, basically. I mean, look at Utah last year. Utah was awesome, and they got absolutely cooked by wings. And I think the same thing could happen to to the Blazers, where, I mean, it, it basically already has. Like, when they played the Lakers, they don't have anyone to stop LeBron. And does anyone? No. But at least put up a fight. I mean, you know, do, can anyone stop Kawhi Leonard? No. But you can make it tough on him. You can make him pass it more. And the Blazers don't have that. And, you know, all respect to Robert Covington, he can't do everything. He's tried to do everything and it hasn't worked. So that experiment is over. And they just, yeah, I agree. They, the CJ McCollum thing should have ended years ago. And we just talked about CJ McCollum not too long ago on our top 100. Like he's a great player, but him and Dame together, it's just – it doesn't work. They're both terrible defenders, and you can't win if you can't defend. So that's why they haven't won. I mean, it's really as simple as that. And if they could ship him off to wherever for whoever, you know, they'd probably have a much higher ceiling. But right now, it's like – I mean, they technically have different players, but this is like the same team they've had for the past four or five years. Nothing, nothing is changing. Like, making slight upgrades to talent – is not going to work in the West. You have to make massive leaps if you want to win the finals or at least make it. And they haven't done so. So there's really no reason for them to expect them to, I mean, on my end, like you're giving them a much higher ceiling than me, but I don't see them even sniffing a home playoff seed because they just don't have the stability really. I mean, the team is going to be much unlike last year, well, first of all, last year they just dealt with a cacophony of injuries where they were dealing with, you know, like Nurk missed half the year, CJ missed half the year. So you got to think that bounces back to normal. Like even if, you know, someone misses time for them, that's going to bounce back to normal. They were really elite when they had all three of their guards plus Covington and Nurkic out there. 
And then obviously you add Larry Nance, who we both regard very highly as a role player, who's very good defensively. I think that there's a chance that they are competent enough, like through sheer luck, their defense goes from like 29th to 20th and they get the four seed. Right. And I also think whoever is the five seed, I agree with your overall point like that. This team isn't really that good. I just think we'll, we've seen a lot of teams that aren't that good play their ways into like a top four seed in the West. Like who's a good example of this? Like the 2019, 20 Pacers. I'm sorry, Dylan, but they were kind of like a weird team. You know, old Depot was hurt or no, was that, and that was the year, whatever the year was that Boyan Bogdanovich ended up being the best player on the Pacers for the majority of like the second half of the season was, I think it was that, that year. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. That was it because, Wait, no, Boyan was on the Jazz in the bubble. Oh, that would have been 2018-19. 2018-19, yeah. Like, that team was really good in the regular season. You know, they dealt with Oladipo injuries all year, and then Oladipo goes out for good. They, you know, they maintain the four seed under constant pressure, and then they lose in the first round. And I don't remember who they lost to. That was such a long time ago. I think it wasn't the Heat. I don't remember who they lost That was. To. It was, um, I think it was Cleveland again, wasn't it? No, that was that. That was the year after LeBron left. That would have been instead of instead of filibustering or instead of wondering about it, I'll look it up. Um, They would have lost in the first round to the Celtics. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the year, and yeah, that proves my point exactly. That Pacers team couldn't score at all in that series. Now that I'm remembering it, like they. So let's pull up the games in that series. 74, 91, 96, 106. That was their points totals in those four games. And it just wasn't great. Um, they tried their hardest, but trying your hardest doesn't always, you know, work in the playoffs. And we've seen that in Portland. I think that there's a chance that they could end up being the four seed, right? And have home court in the first round and have it not matter because they're just not that good. I think that that's probably... I don't think that's unrealistic for them. Like they're not a great team, but they're not an awful team either. Like, I think that they're, they're going to be solidly. And that's mostly because of Damian Lillard. And it sucks that we're saying this about a team with Damian Lillard on it, but that's just the fact of the matter. Like they're not that good, (laughs) but they're going to be, they're going to make noise in the regular season because they'll beat up on the bad teams. You know, maybe win a couple of games against good teams and then they'll get crushed in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, last year's Warriors team was a good example that you can't just have one guy doing everything. And, I mean, this Blazers roster is more sound than that one. But, I mean, Steph is better than Dame. Andrew Wiggins last year, I don't know. Like, he was probably on the level. He was probably better than pretty much everyone except maybe CJ. You know, as like a talent level at least. Maybe, I guess, maybe Nurk, but again, there was a lot of injuries. So, like, their roster looked terrible at times, but it, I don't think it was as bad as it seemed because there was a bunch of no-names on the roster, but if you actually watch the games, those no-names weren't that bad, you know? So, I, I don't want to disrespect their roster too much, but that was a good example of what, what a team can be like if you just have one or two guys and not a ton of support. And that's kind of what Dame's career's hole has been for a while now. So yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And you know, in the interest of time, 
you know, I think Portland are frauds, but we'll see. We'll see come the regular season. So I'm assuming you have one of the Pelicans or I'm assuming you have the Pelicans or the Grizzlies next. Is that correct? Um, they are in the next three, but I have the Mavs next. Interesting. Okay. So the Mavs I have is the same as the Blazers, uh, a ceiling of six and a floor of 11. Interesting. Okay. Last year. Wait, okay. Hold on. Last year you had them as the, as being contenders for the first seed, didn't you? Yep. And they have crushed my spirit. So again, like this isn't super fair to do, but they were the fifth seed last year. And they basically tied Portland for that. So it wasn't like really the fifth seed. It was kind of a shared fifth seed. So, okay, can they do better than that, right? Because some of the teams behind them are going to be better. So let's look. First of all, they had one of the biggest off-season losses of anyone losing Rick Carlisle. So let's not act like that's not a big deal. Because, hey, what the hell has Jason Kidd ever done? after his playing career to suggest he's a good addition to any team. Okay. And I have actually been someone that's kind of defended Jason Kidd because, you know, there's been coaches that have had struggles early on. They end up getting to the right spot and it works out. And Jason Kidd, he was a very smart player. He hasn't been like the worst coach ever or anything, I mean, he did some good things with those Bucks teams, and it wasn't as good as they should have been, but it was better than uh, – what was the guy that was before him? I forget his name. Uh, was it Larry uh, Drew? It was Larry Drew. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess being better than Larry Drew is, like, not that impressive, but, you know, like, Jason Kidd was not the worst coach of all time, so I don't want to make it seem like, you know, this is oh, the worst signing they could have made at head coach, but – is he better than Rick Carl or is he worse than Rick Carlisle? Absolutely. I mean, so let's look. Budenholzer <laughs> got there and they started winning 60 games like pretty immediately. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing with Mark Jackson, right? Mark Jackson did good things with those Warriors teams. Like he turned them into a playoff team. Was, was, were they ever going to make the finals with him? No. Like there's, there's levels to coaching, right? There's guys that are terrible. There's guys that are good enough to make you not terrible. There's guys that are good enough to get you in the playoffs. And then there's guys that are good enough to get you winning playoff games. And then I guess beyond that, winning the finals. So there's levels to it. And kid, I think is a guy that can definitely get you to the playoffs is he hasn't proven whether he can win or not. So that's, that's kind of where he's at right now, but let's look at the roster. Okay. So we have Luke at point guard, which right off the bat, you can question whether that's a good idea. Like, should the ball be in his hands? Yes. But has LeBron really ever played point guard? No. LeBron and Luka get compared to each other a lot. And for good reason. Like, they play kind of a similar style. And LeBron always has a point guard on his team. And, hey, he's had pretty good amount of success doing that. So, I, I'm not convinced that Luka at point guard is the right way to go. And, I think Carlisle kind of felt the same way. He Maybe he didn't always show that, but Carlisle, is, he's a guy that likes to play multiple guards together. And Jason Kidd, I don't know if he'll do that. Tim Hardaway Jr., obviously love him. Dorian Finney-Smith is just a great guy to, to slide in there. Porzingis, who, who the hell knows? He's either going to be what he was two years ago or what he was last year. I mean, there's a huge variance level with Porzingis. 
And he also doesn't seem too happy with the situation. So it's almost like Dame where you don't know what, what's going to happen there. And apparently Dwight Powell at center. I mean, I don't know. Like that, that's, I think that was their biggest problem last year was their size. Cause Porzingis doesn't play like a center. He's huge, but he doesn't play like a big man. Maxi Kleba is small and he plays like a big man, but he's not big enough to actually be one. And then Dwight Powell just didn't play last year because he, he wasn't good enough. And all of a sudden he's basically their starting center. Like that's, that's a great sign. You know, you're trying to improve your team and you're going to start a guy that didn't play last year, basically. So that's, that's a great place to be. I mean, congrats on getting Reggie Bullock. Like I, there's just nothing inspiring about this team. And what I was, what I liked about them last year was the fact that they almost beat the Clippers or two years ago, or no, it was 2020 technically in the bubble. The reason that I was so high on them coming into this past season was because they almost beat the Clippers, but Porzingis got hurt. Porzingis was awesome in that series and he got hurt. So naturally Porzingis is going to come back, be awesome again, and they would win. That didn't happen. So the upside that Porzingis offered is gone. Like, I don't trust him now. It's just Luca, And we saw what happened in the playoffs last year when it's just Luca and Tim Hardaway, I guess. They don't win playoff series. So there's no reason for me to expect this team to get any better. So, you know, I'll talk about the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Like, it's, it may seem stupid to give them a higher ceiling, but because they, they haven't done anything either. But as far as the talent goes, I think they have more to offer in terms of upside than the Mavs because outside of Luca, there's just nothing too inspiring there. I'm just shocked because I'm way higher on Dallas than you are. I have them at a ceiling of third and a floor of seventh. And you're right. It, listen, everything you're saying is right. You know, all the reasons for pessimism are right about them. This is my thing. There's just a chance Luca goes fucking supernova next year. Right. Like he's already been, you know, just in terms of like guys through their first three seasons in terms of stats, he's up there with like MJ, KD, LeBron. Right. He's doing stats that like those guys put up their first three years. Right. There's just a chance he, you know, averages 30, 10 and 10 next year and just absolutely rips through the league and they get its home court in the first round. Do I think that's likely? No, I had their realistic seating like from four through six. I think that. You know, there's a lot more teams that are more talented than them. You know, the Warriors are more talented than them. Um, the Suns, the Clippers, the Spurs, or the Spurs, the Nuggets. <laughs> I don't know how I got those two confused. <laughs> the Lakers, obviously. So, yeah, I think there's a realistic shot they finish sixth. But I just think that they're better. Luka is so much better than the, like, like he's so much better than Zion. He's so much better than, you know, Ja. That That's what makes up the difference to me. And I have him over Dame on my list. You did not have him over Dame. It's a matter of semantics. But point being, he's on that level, right? And the Blazers are the only team in, like, the tier that you have them that have a guy on Luka's level. And that, to me, is why I would have, you know, both of them trending towards the top six. It's just because they have that guy, right? And they don't have terrible teams around them. So I think that... Yeah, the Mavericks don't inspire a lot of confidence. You are not wrong for saying that. I just think I believe in Luka. And it's a little crazy. I thought I was kind of low on them. But I'm glad to see that we uh, 
that we disagree here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get it with Luca. Obviously, the supernova effect is is possible. But you want to talk about Dame? I mean, yeah, like they've definitely had some good finishes with Dame, but most of these great teams in the West, they just have a better supporting cast than Dallas has. And as good, like if you gave LeBron this roster, I, and I guess right now LeBron is not a fair thing, but if you gave like 2017 LeBron this roster in the West, I, I, don't, I don't know. He could be a top four seed, but it would be a hell of a fight. So Luka would have to literally do stuff that has never been seen before. <laughs> like he would have to average like 35, seven and seven a game, I think to really hold a top four seed. And that's really no disrespect against Luca or even some of the other players on this team. It's just the teams ahead of them. I just, I just trust way more and they have way more top end talent outside of, you know, cause like Luca is obviously one of those guys, but there's no one else that is. Here's a here's a comparison for you. Okay. You you would agree that the guy who gets compared to Luca the most isn't LeBron, is usually James Harden, right? Generally speaking, he's the one who gets compared. So okay. This team with James Harden won 55 games in 2017. So Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, Patrick Beverly, um, Clint Capella, um, Eric Gordon, Montrez Harrell. Nene was playing for them. KJ McDaniels, if you remember KJ McDaniels, Lou Williams. That was basically their rotation as I remember it. Because I know Sam Decker was definitely not in the rotation for this team because that guy was not good. I hope he's good in Toronto because I liked him in college. But that team... And yes, James Harden in 2017 was undeniably a better player than Luka is right now. But... I think there's a chance Luca can do what Harden did that year. That year, Harden averaged 29, 11, and 8. He shot 44% from the field, 35% from three. Got to the line 11 times a game. If Luca can do similar, like, I mean, Luca's already put up kind of similar seasons to that. If he can do kind of that, I could see a world where they are, you know, not winning 55 games, but winning 50. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for them. I think Luca can be that good. And yeah, on the whole, you would probably say that team is better. Like the talent on that team is better than the team on this, the talent on this Dallas team. But like, what's the difference between Eric Gordon then and Tim Hardaway now? You know, like what's the difference between, okay, I can't say what's the difference between Trevor Reza then and Dorian Finney-Smith now because Trevor Reza was a better player. But like, you know, pretty similarly talented guys on this team. Like in, Remember, this was the year they had Ryan Anderson and they <laughs> Ryan Anderson was bombing from three. So I just think that there's a chance that this Mavs team could, again, not do what this Rockets team did because Harden was special that year. But I think that there's a chance Luka could do something similar to that. Yeah, again, it's possible. I'm not going to doubt Luka. It's kind of more about the other guys. And, like, I mean, the, the Rockets comparison is somewhat fair, but... You know, you can just say Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. It's like, ah, they're not that good. But, like, they were really good that year, you know. And as, as you mentioned, and obviously Clint Capella was awesome too. They don't have Clint Capella on this team. And I'm not just saying that at center. Like, they don't have a Clint Capella-level player at all. And, yes, that is all due respect to Chris Porzingis. So, you know, 
it, it's possible. Like, I'm not going to doubt Luca. I just think it's going to be really tough. That's fair. I mean, I did kind of underrate Clint Capella's impact on this team because he literally destroyed the Jazz in the, when they played the Jazz that year. But I don't know. I think that there's a case to be made that Luca could do something similar to that. But in the interest of time, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our next team, which surely is either the New Orleans Pelicans or the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> Yeah, so it's the Pelicans. I'm giving them a ceiling of five and a floor of 11. So this bet is basically just that Zion and Ingram are undeniable, and they kind of already are now. But obviously, I think the biggest impact uh, is Zion. They were horrible without Zion last year, and it was a small stretch. They were like three and nine, and they were otherwise like a 500 team. And this is while they had Stan Van Gundy coaching, who, by the way, I, I love that he's back on TV like nothing happened. Like he just he was like the opposite of uh, Jason Witten when he was on Monday Night Football for a year and then just came back to football. Like, yeah, you know, it took a nice little break and now I'm back, except it's the wrong way. And Van Gundy couldn't even last more than a season. But <laughs> I mean, they, it was just horrible team last year. And we talked about it all year. They had terrible spacing. Eric Bledsoe was like, I don't know. I don't know what he possibly could have been doing, but he wasn't trying to be good at basketball. Like he, that was for sure. Steven Adams is, I love him, but the spacing was just terrible and he did not help it. This year's team. Okay. So you have Zion and Ingram, Devontae Graham, who we both love. And I think is an awesome fit for those two guys because I don't really look at him as like a lead point guard necessarily, but they have Ingram and Zion that do so much ball handling anyway. Like Devontae Graham is a great passer and he's a great shooter. And I think that's a great fit for them. And I think he's going to be like, he has a chance to be really fun this year. And I, He's a guy that has had some really good years in Charlotte, and I'm excited to see him with this team. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, I'm assuming, is probably not actually going to start. I would think it's going to be Josh Hart. But either one of those guys, like Josh Hart, I think was the better fit. Because Josh Hart is like that, the guy that just goes out and gets the loose balls. Like, he's taking charges, you know. He's, he's a guy that does all the cleanup work. And I just, I love his, his game. He's really tough on both ends. He can hit open shots. Like he's just a nice guy to have next to superstar talent. And I'm assuming he'll get the start, but if it's Alexander Walker, he's a guy I like a lot too, but he's just, he's more raw. I mean, especially offensively, like he's, he's got a lot of upside on defense, but on offense, like his shot creation is just kind of wonky right now. Like, some of his three-point shooting is just horrible. Like, he – I don't know. He has some work to do, but he's he's got some good upside. And then Valanciunas, one of our favorites. I mean, he is going to be perfect for this team. He's going to give him spacing. He's going to give him screening, shooting, rebounding. Like, he gives you everything you want. So, I just think this team is a lot more grown up. And when you add in the fact that Zion and Ingram are also going to be a year more improved – um, I mean, I just think the upside is off the charts and, you know, I'm giving them a ceiling of five because I believe in that talent. Obviously I lean to them being closer to play in range, 
but I would be really surprised if they don't make the plan. Yes, I can totally see that. I have their ceiling at eight and I have their floor at 12. Um, I still think the pieces are a little weird, right? Like Valanciunas is a great player. I just don't know about on this team, right? Like with Zion, but you know, I'm sure that they'll find interesting ways to use him. Willie Green's a first time head coach, so we don't know anything about him or about how he operates. So that'll be a fun open slate. I think they're really betting on breakout seasons from one of Lewis, Kira Lewis Jr. or Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And I would bet that it's going to be Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, he's just a really good player. <laughs> and Kira Lewis was a really promising young point guard last year. I liked their draft picks of Trey Murphy and Herb Jones, who apparently... Herb Jones, first of all, is just a great name. Second of all, like apparently in camp, he's been demolishing people. So on defense... And, you know, maybe a guy like they need more defensive people on this team, right? Like they suffered from the Kings problem last year where they just didn't have enough defenders on their roster. And, you know, maybe Nikhil Alexander-Walker goes into it. You know, Josh Hart plays defense. Trey Murphy went to Virginia and you don't get on the floor unless you play on unless you play defense at Virginia. And then Herb Jones. I like the Najee Marshall we saw last year. So, like, there's a lot of promising stuff on this roster. If I were to power rank the three teams, I have the Kings. Like, if I was going to do tiers, I would have put the Kings, the Wolves, and the Pels in the same tier, and I would have put the Pels at the top just because I think they're the most talented. But I still just think there's a lot of questions there. But, I mean, Ingram and Zion are both undeniable talents, and I think that's my, that might just be what puts them over the top in this discussion. Yeah, and that's really what it is for me. Like, this is probably more of an emotional pick than anything. And I feel like that's how it was with the Mavericks last year. Cause that was the one I shocked you with last year was the Mavericks had won. And, you know, I wasn't right, but I still think the Mavericks finished better than most people anticipated last year. And I think if you look at the past two years and maybe it goes further back than that, but I, I remember the past two years. Okay. No one expected the Mavericks to be as good as they were last year. And no one expected the Thunder to be as good as they were the year before. So is that going to continue this year? I don't know. But I think the two best teams for that scenario are the Pelicans and Grizzlies because they're young teams. They're probably overlooked because of that. But, man, if if the chemistry works and they're healthy – I mean, they're going to shoot up to the top of the standings. Like, they have so much talent. And, like, again, coaching, we'll see with the Pelicans in particular. But, I mean, the talent upside is so strong. It's just – it's hard to – it's hard for me not to give them a high ceiling. That's fair. And you brought up the Grizzlies, so let's just go ahead and move on to the Grizzlies. What is your ceiling and floor for the Memphis Grizzlies? So Grizzlies also get the a ceiling of five and I'm giving them a floor of eight. So we were just texting about the Grizzlies the other day and it's amazing how they continue to just reward us with great, great work. I mean, we've been on the Grizzlies train for a couple of years now and hell, I mean, I've been on the Grizzlies train since the grit and grind days technically, but you know, the, the new age Grizzlies, they just have done so much to reward us for our fandom. 
And they had such a great offseason that, I mean, I've said before I'm willing to move to Memphis, and I agree. I'm saying even now, like, even more. I mean, I might as well pull up Zillow after this is over and start looking for places because this team is great, okay? So, obviously, Jaw was awesome to end the season. Dylan Brooks was a Dylan Brooks we've never seen before, particular in offense, but he was definitely the best defender he's ever been to. Kyle Anderson has been the same he's always been. You know, Steven Adams is definitely a downgrade, in my opinion, from Valanciunas, but I still believe in Steven Adams, especially on defense. I think he's going to be great, um, or at least good enough. I mean – he played with Russell Westbrook for so long. Like he's probably the most qualified to play with John Morant. I think out of anyone in the league. Um, he's, he knows how to get out of the way basically is what we're saying. And Jaron Jackson, this is the guy that gives them the upside right here. And I was watching some of the game last night, the preseason game. And he had a couple plays back to back where it's like, uh Oh, he's back. You know, like he's, it's just amazing how skinny he is and how strong he is at the same time. I mean, he's so good down low. He's got such a great shot. Like he has such great upside. And last year, you know, the it just wasn't the same. He had, he was injured, but he gives them the upside. But what I'm really excited about is their bench. Okay, so Brandon Clark, the train keeps chugging. I mean, he's he's coming back this year for a vengeance. He's the best player in the in the league, and he's going to show it. And the best player in the league usually doesn't come off the bench, so that's that's a, a benefit the Grizzlies have. But you know, obviously, Melton, Bain are awesome. This is the guy I want to talk about. This is the guy I think is already the sleeper of the draft. I think Zaire Williams is going to be amazing. He can pass. He can shoot. I mean, I don't really know much about him on defense because I haven't watched a ton, but everything I've seen out of him has been amazing. I think he's going to fit with literally every player on the roster. It doesn't matter who's playing. He's going to fit out there. He's just a smart, talented player. And the Grizzlies are one of those teams, as we saw last year with Desmond Bain, where they get stuff out of rookies. We saw it with Jaw too. Like their rookies just come to play every single year. So I have no reason to ex- to not expect Zaire Williams to be impactful this year. And if you look at last year, he's going to play the Justice Winslow role that Justice Winslow couldn't play. Like if Justice Winslow could actually have fulfilled that role, I think they would have, you know, they probably wouldn't have beaten Utah, but they would have had a much stronger chance. And Zaire Williams is going to step into that role this year and he's going to fulfill it. I think he's going to be a lot better and, they're just going to, no matter who's on the floor, they're going to constantly come at you. And plus, you know, this is Reformation um, City in the NBA. Like They took Josh Jackson, made him a viable NBA player, and now he's, you know, doing rotation shit in Detroit. And they took another shot on another one of those guys in Jared Culver. Um, real quick, ceiling 6th, floor 11th, I'm pretty high on them. Again, I not as high as you. But I think that there's a chance that they, you know, fall to the lower reaches of the play in just, you know, because the teams that are better than them. I, you know, I still think that the Blazers can be better than them and the Mavs. 
I think that there's more high-end talent on this Grizzlies team. I just think, you know, they're still young. But if Jaron puts it all together, then that's their best-case scenario because we've been talking about him for God. (laughs) I've been a huge fan of his for a while now, way before I started talking to you. And I think that he's supremely talented. He's the most talented player on this roster, and that's including John Morant. Like, Ja is one of the best point guards in the league already. And I think Jaron Jackson is more talented than him. And that's a terrifying prospect if he actually ever breaks through. And, you know, it's it's a fair if at this point because he's just been hurt all the time. And he's a young guy, so maybe he'll figure it out with improved conditioning and work ethic or whatever. I just think that there's a lot (laughs) that he needs to go for. But I love the way he plays. Um, I think Kyle Anderson was a big improvement last year just because he actually started making threes. Like he did everything else he always did before, right? Like, you know, the slow-mo drives, the rebounding, the passing, but that jumper opened up Memphis's offense to me. And if that's real, then I think that that makes them even more dangerous because he can do everything else so well. If he can make 39% of his jumpers again, that makes them even more dangerous. So I don't know enough about Zaire to comment. Um, I think Melton's due for a breakout. Bain, if Bain just stays the same for the rest of his career, he's going to be, he's going to make a lot of money. So, and Brandon Clark, I think he might be out of the rotation again, which is sad. Taylor Jenkins, what are you doing? And if that is the case, send him to the Wolves. I think that's the guy the Wolves should try to go after, you know, send a couple second round picks their way. But um, anything else to add about the Grizzlies, Dylan? I'll just say if Brandon Clark gets traded, it's going to – they're going to immediately regret it. Like, if he ends up on the Wolves, I don't know if he would start over McDaniels, but he would kill, man. He's going to kill – he just needs an opportunity. Like, we saw it his first year. He's great, man. Like, he can catch lobs and throw lobs. How many guys can do that in the league that aren't guards? Like, yeah. you know, Jock can do it. There's other guards. If, if a guard can dunk, obviously they're a good candidate. Like, LeBron can do it. But can Anthony Davis throw lobs? No. Like some of the can Clint can Clint Capella throw lobs? No. Can Jokic catch them? No. <laughs> can Jokic get into the air long enough to catch it and dunk it at the same time? No. So yeah, Brandon Clark is he's got a unique skill set, but because he can't shoot, apparently we just don't care about him. So I don't know. It's it's frustrating, but you know they have um. Listen, they've drafted so well that he just might become expendable on accident. You brought up rookies playing well. Xavier Tillman was starting, or not starting, he was playing real, he was playing crunch time minutes for them last year as a rookie. Like, that dude can play. They have a bunch of guys that can just play, and that's why this team is very confusing to me, but we'll see. Um, I'm assuming that is the end of your Tier 3. Yes. Okay, so who is in your Tier 2? Okay, so we've got the Clippers up next. I'm giving them a ceiling of four and a floor of eight. So, obviously, this is a Kawhi thing. I don't know when Kawhi's coming back. My guess is sooner than they expect. That's my guess. I think that's fair. And, I mean, guys just improve from injuries faster. So, there's really no reason for me to expect him to not be back by March. 
I don't know. Like, I think, I think that's, I think by March he'll be playing basketball and that March is a pretty important time for seeding. I mean, you've got six weeks to really figure things out. And I think he's going to have an impact on that. But at the same time, I think they're going to lose enough games along the way where it's going to be tough for them to crack the top three, but top four, I still think is possible. And Reggie Jackson, should we expect him to be what he was last year? Probably not. But with the shots available, it wouldn't surprise me if he was. And we've dumped on him a lot, but God, man, you know, I'm an emotional guy. When he sits up there at the podium and says that the Clippers saved him, how can you not love that, man? Like, that's, that's what you really like to see from sports. Like, he was down and out, man. Detroit was just a tough time for him. He kept getting hurt. They just they had some talent, but it never really broke through all the way. And he goes to the Clippers, and he has an awesome showing. And, you know, it was really nice to see. And for him, I hope that he can keep that up because – He's had talent for a long time. Like he was on those Thunder teams long ago. He got traded because he had too much talent to be on the bench. And if you really look at the Detroit years, when he was on the floor, they were winning games. He just got hurt a lot. And Blake Griffin got hurt a lot. There was just a lot going on. So it's hard to just judge him for that. Um, But yeah, he had a good showing last year. As much as we hate Eric Bledsoe, I think Eric Bledsoe in this role could actually be effective because Eric Bledsoe doesn't really have to defer to anyone. I want to say like, yes, Paul George is way better than him and he should never have shots over Paul George, but I don't see Paul George as a guy that's going to demand a bunch of attention. Like Zion and Ingram, they needed the ball. Paul George isn't a guy that really needs you to force feed him the ball all the time. So I don't think Eric Blood, and same with, with the Milwaukee situation, he had to get the ball to Middleton, he had to get the ball to Giannis. Paul George is just a different type of player. And look at how Russell Westbrook played with Paul George. Like that, I'm not going to say that dynamic is going to be there, but I could see something similar where Paul George kind of just create some space for these two guards to work. And is Eric Bledsoe going to be good this year? Probably not, but I could see a world where he is. And if there's enough games where he's good, then they're going to pretty easily have a chance to avoid the plan without Kawhi. And, you know, Abaka, I think Abaka's dead. Like, I, I think... I don't want well, to say not dead literally. Well, I hope people don't assume I mean that when I say that. I, I really wish I could just say that because I like saying that with my fantasy football friends when we talk about players that, you know, we have a one of the guys in our league has just a bunch of old players on his team and like he's gonna win the, he's probably gonna win this year because of that. But I like to say, oh, his team is gonna be dead in two years. I don't literally mean every player on the team is going to die. As far as basketball or football goes, they're dead. That's what I mean. Okay. Okay. So I just, I felt like I had to make the distinction there, Dylan. That's fine. Maybe we need to start recording disclaimers before these pods. Uh, just to Dylan Hughes the- is not, <laughs> Dylan Hughes is not attempting to kill Eric Blood or Serge Ibaka. 
please <laughs> proceed with caution. Yeah. So, you know, Serge Ibaka is his time is really running out here. Batum, I mean, he showed last year that he doesn't really like have to do much. He just kind of has to be out there sometimes. They had a major impact by him literally just being out there, which for a non-superstar is amazing. Like that's an amazing feat for him. Um, Terrence Mann, like he has some moments. Luke Kennard is hopefully going to get more of a chance this year. Like I think it's a good enough supporting gas to avoid the play-in because, I mean, you got Paul George. Like that's a really good start, but they're they're not going to enter that elite rank because they don't have Kawhi. So we had the exact same ceiling and floor for them. I had a ceiling of four and a floor of eight. So that was some nice synergy there. Um, real quick, just about Bledsoe, because I have a larger clipper stake that I want to get off. Bledsoe will inject some like combination of rim attack that they desperately needed the last couple of years. Like, so his last two years in Milwaukee, where the spacing I would say is comparable to the Clippers situation now, 45% and then 42% of his shots were at the rim. So they need someone who gets to the rim with reckless abandon, and he's going to be that guy for them. Is he the best passer? No. Is he the best, like, how is he the best finisher? No. But he gets there, right? And that's just something that they needed from their offense in general. And I think, you know, if Kawhi comes back, he'll be relegated to the bench, which, you know, will be fine because they'll probably be playing a lot of small ball in the playoffs and he'll have to play some because he's still, I know he didn't try last year, but I still think that that defensive ace is down within him somewhere. This is my Clippers take. If if Kawhi comes back to full strength, which is a very big if, but it seems like he will be coming back this season based on his comments. I think that they, the Clippers are the only team in the West that can win the finals next year. I thought last year that they were the best team in the West. You know, I thought that like back in like March. (laughs) So this isn't an inconsistent thing from me. I think they're Ty Lue showed that he was an incredible playoff coach last year. I think Paul George showed that he was an incredible player. I think Reggie Jackson showed a lot in, you know, all three series, not just one of them, right? Terrence Mann kind of broke out last year. Um, You know, Batum, Morris, they have so many guys that can play in the playoffs, right? Like they have so many playoff players and shout out to Beverly who got sacrificed, (laughs) but I mean, Zubac was good in stretches last year, right? Like they have Canard. You're going to get more Canard and probably better Canard. He'll probably Canard might be in the running for six man of the year next year, you know, and you might get something out of Winslow too. You never know. I think that there's a shot that this team coming in, like if Kawhi comes back in March and they, he ran a form in April, there's a chance that they go through the West. I just think that they're, listen, I, I know I'm very high. Up. I just think they're, they're in the Western conference point blank, like full health. They're not fully healthy right now. So that's why I have them as the one seed. What do you think about uh, the statement that the Clippers are better than anyone in the West when they're fully healthy? I just love the Nuggets. It's hard. Like, I, I get it. I, I, I think I have to take the Nuggets because if this was last year, I probably would have agreed with you. And I guess 
literally what happened would prove that they were better than the Nuggets last year. But we we talked about this when we talked about Jamal Murray on our top 100. If Jamal Murray was there, they would have been in the West Finals. And they potentially could have made the finals. I mean, adding Aaron Gordon, like he's now a guy you can throw at those two guys. MPJ, is he going to stop Paul George? Absolutely not. Is he going to make his life more difficult? Yes. So they, ha- I think they have the bodies, unlike a lot of teams in the West, to make them work. And then on top of that, they have Jokic. So I, I think I have to take the Nuggets, but I do agree that healthy, they are up there. They're better than the Lakers. I, I, I think I have to take them over the Suns because I don't think Chris Paul is going to have that same year. And we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll take them second. You can have them at first. I'll have them at second. Well, I'm glad we agree that Suns Nuggets health or Suns Nuggets Clippers Nuggets healthy are one two in either order. I think that that's where we're at our most synchronized at the moment because yeah, they're not those two teams are just better <laughs> than the Lakers are. They make more sense as a roster, and you know there's a shot that it all doesn't matter because AD and LeBron go ape shit, right? But. I just think that the Clippers are really well-rounded. I think Ty Lue's a way better coach than Doc. Like, way better. Like, it's laughable now in retrospect. But I think that, you know, like the Clippers to me just are... I thought they would have probably won the finals last year if they stayed healthy. And I know it's crazy. We can't play the what-if game because you'll just never know. But they had all the elements. And... You know, I think the Bucs actually, I'll say this, the Bucs are the one team, I think, in the league that could have matched their small ball. But that's about it. Like, the Clippers' small ball attack is so lethal. And Morris allows a lot of that. Like, Morris is such a good small ball five that he allows for the Nuggets, or for the Nuggets, for the Clippers to play that five-out system. And Batum is a, such a good small ball four. So I think they have a lot of the pieces to win a championship. And I think that this this year and next year is their window. Like, I think that their window is going to close pretty quickly, especially because of Kawhi's health. And Paul George, actually, Paul George has stayed pretty healthy through the years. He dealt with the shoulder thing for the last few years, but it seems like he's over that now. I don't know. I just think that the Clippers aren't this regular season aren't going to be as interesting as they will become playoff time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a top five player, it makes things a little bit more interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that's enough Clippers discussion for a team, again, that we don't think will be very interesting in the regular season. Who's your next team, Dylan? So I've got the Lakers. Interesting. Um, A ceiling of two and a floor of seven. So this is obviously kind of piggybacking off what you just said, where if LeBron and AD are healthy, there's not much you can do. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't really matter who else is on the team. You have two top 10 talent. I'm not going to say Anthony Davis is top 10, as we just discussed a couple weeks ago, Um, but or last week, but Anthony Davis is a top 10 talent. He should be top 10. He's just not. 
Um, you have two guys like that, that, that stay healthy and are just always on the floor. They're going to win a lot of games. But as we saw last year, when you get health in the mix, the Lakers slip down to seventh. And I think it's the same thing this year where they could very well slip down to seventh if they battle injuries. And Russell Westbrook is prone to injuries. Let's just talk about their starting lineup, okay? Russell Westbrook, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. So Anthony Davis is basically like he like walked into a retirement home is like, Hey guys, I need four for fives. Like, let's go like that. That's basically what's happening right here. It's Anthony Davis and a bunch of old guys. And then you could talk about the bench. I mean, Mello and Dwight Howard, like there's going to be kids in like 15 years that look back at this roster. Like, Holy shit. They had Carmelo, Anthony, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. And Rondo and DeAndre Jordan. That too. Uh, shout out to ESPN for having a terrible like layout. I didn't even see Rondo or DeAndre Jordan. But yeah, I mean, this roster in 2016 would have been unbelievable. <laughs> but I mean, right now, they're pretty old. And Talon Horton Tucker, I still... I, listen, you know I love my Iowa State guys. I cape for Iowa State as hard as anyone that's not from Iowa. But, man, like, he has got to be the most overhyped player in the league. I mean, he has barely played up to this point, and he just got a pretty big contract. Again, I love the talent. Like, I think he's pretty good on both sides of the floor, but he hasn't actually really proven that yet. I'm just basing that off, off the fact that I liked him in college. And Kendrick Nunn is a horrible defender. I mean, where is the defense on this team? You've got Anthony Davis, and that's kind of it. Like Wayne Ellington and Trevor Reza were good defenders at one point, but they're pretty close to getting their social security check. So I don't think they're too interested in playing defense at this point. Like I just, the chance of them being a two seed is not out of the ordinary because they have two of the best players in the world but they have to stay healthy or this thing is going to end up like it did this past year where they have to play in the play-in. So I'm higher on the Lakers in the regular season than you are. I think their ceiling is first and I think their floor is fourth just because the reason you get three stars and say what you want about Russell Westbrook, the man is a star. The reason you get three stars is so that you don't fall off as much in the regular season. Now, if AD gets hurt, that's a completely different conversation because I think Westbrook and LeBron, for better or worse, you can kind of replicate games there. You know, if LeBron misses time, you know, it won't be that big of a deal because you have Russ, vice versa. AD misses time, then you're like, okay, crap, what do I do here? Um, I think they're just going to win a lot of games in the regular season, right? I think their top-end talent is going to overwhelm teams, you know? Russ in the regular season is a load to prepare for. And as we've seen, he'll have like three month stretches where he looks like one of the five best players to ever play basketball. Right. So that's bound to happen at some point in the regular season. I'm very low on them in the postseason because their forward depth is mellow and Bazemore <laughs> and Bazemore shouldn't even be playing forward. He should be a two. Um, Ariza 
looked absolutely washed against the Bucks last year. Maybe he'll look better without, you know, training camp, you know, actually getting in shape because he was pretty good in 2019, 20 still. I don't trust it. Guys fall off really quick in the NBA. Um, Dwight and Deandre Jordan as your backup fives is not promising. <laughs> it just really, it's going to be a clusterfuck and I don't, they're not going to win the championship. They're not better than Brooklyn. They're not better than Milwaukee. Even if they get like the most favorable draw where they play, like they play Memphis in round one, they play um, Portland in round two and they play like Utah in the conference finals. I just don't see any way where this team wins the finals because they're not better than either of the top two East teams. And I think that, like I said, this team is probably going to, I could see them winning 55 games because of how much talent they have, but it's just, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's kind of disjointed and it's really fucking old. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm discounting Westbrook too much. Like he single-handedly propelled Washington in the playoffs this past year. So I'm, I'm probably giving him too much shit and he's going to be great for AD. That's a fact. He's going to be great for AD. Not that AD really needs much else. I mean, he has LeBron James, but like they, you're right that they have a pad. If, if LeBron gets hurt, Westbrook can probably do enough. I will see. Yeah. They, they actually may be in a worse spot if Westbrook gets hurt than LeBron. Cause if you have LeBron having to do everything with like Kendrick Mellon, he may just like die on the floor. Again, not literally, but hey, who knows? Um, but like he's he's just kind of fallen back into the secondary role now. And if he has to be the guy again where he's just throwing himself at the rim and leading everything, I, I don't think that's good for their long-term health as a team and his long-term health, obviously. So like it's just – I just don't trust the health. That's really what it comes down to. Like if they're 100% healthy, yeah, they could definitely get the one seed but man, what are the odds on that? Like FanDuel Sportsbook or whatever, let's get some odds going that the Lakers can finish the regular season with like, I don't know, less than 20 missed games between everyone. Or maybe that's too low, maybe less, less than 30. Like let's, what are the odds on that? Like plus 5,000? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a gambler, so I'm not sure. But I think, I think the team definitively got worse, right? I think everyone, you know, like, People get sick of LeBron coverage, and rightly so. But I think a lot of people underrate how good KCP is. I think a lot of people underrate how good Kyle Kuzma is. Like, yeah, are they world beaters? No. But are they solid role guys on a team? Yeah, I think that those guys are better than Ariza and Wayne Ellington. And this is probably the only team that's good that Wayne Ellington would start on in the league. Like, this is definitely the only team that Trevor Ariza would start on in the league. <laughs> so... And I don't even know why Trevor Ariza is starting. I think I'd rather start Bazemore, like truthfully. I just, I don't understand it, but hey, this roster is, you know, it's going to be fun. They're going to be fun to watch, <laughs> either to watch a train wreck or to watch, you know, fun basketball. But I think this team will be one of the more intriguing ones to watch, like through the season. But um, let's move on to, I'm assuming tier, are we still in tier two or are we moving on to tier one now? Yeah, we have two more teams left in Tier 2. Interesting. So we got one team in Tier 1? No, there's two. Okay, I'm missing somebody. Who's left in Tier 2? Uh, the Jazz and the Warriors. 
Okay. Oh yeah, I forgot about the Warriors. So let's start with the let's start with the Jazz first. What's your ceiling and floor for them? So the Jazz I have is a two two ceiling and a four floor. And this is just continuity. I mean, they've like get, keeping Mike Conley was huge. I was actually a little bit interested to see if that was going to happen because I don't know. There were some opportunities for Conley. Like he could have went to the Clippers. He could have went to the Knicks. Um, he could have went to, you know, Miami. Like there were some opportunities and he stayed. So I think that was really big for them. Um, Getting Rudy Gay, I think, was massive. Like, Rudy Gay, he's just been good. Like, he was very good in San Antonio. He's just a really reliable, like, bench creator. And I think that's kind of what they needed because they basically had Jordan Clarkson and, like, Joe Ingles on the bench and then kind of, like, whatever, you know, Mia Oni. Like, there wasn't much happening. You know, Roy... uh, what was the guy that played for the Pacers? Um, George Niang. Yeah, George Niang. Who George Niang made over a hundred threes and then just didn't play in the playoffs. <laughs> like they they were just very flimsy. They were a regular season team, and I still think they kind of are a regular season team. I think they could win a first round series, but man, the way the West is shaping up, they could lose a first round series too. Um, but. I mean, getting getting Rudy Gay was really nice. They got they got my boy Jared Butler in the drafts. Obviously, that's awesome because and I talked about this last year that outside of Clarkson, they had no guard talent whatsoever, and it did it was not good for them because you basically needed Conley or Mitchell to play with Clarkson, and the numbers, if I recall correctly, were not very good with Mitchell and Clarkson together. So you kind of needed Mike Conley to play just every minute of the game. Otherwise they were going to mess up in some way, somewhere. Uh, so, you know, getting that, getting him was huge. The white side thing is like, it's not great, but Derek favors was so bad. And we've defended favors because they had no defense on the bench and the defensive numbers were probably not fair to him. At least Whiteside puts up points and gets rebounds. Like, listen, I know you hate Whiteside. I'm the same. I have no interest in defending him. But as a bench center, like, who cares, honestly? It's – if it goes that bad, you can cut him and just play as a buike or whatever. Like, who cares? Or you can find someone on the scrap heap. Like, it's not that low of a downside. So, whatever. Um and that's really what it comes down to. Like they're going to be worse, I think, because other teams are going to be better. But I don't think they're going to fall off too much. Their bench is better, and they retain their starting unit. So there's no reason for me to think they're going to get worse. Like I'm sure Mitchell will probably take uh, a small step forward at least, and everyone else should kind of maintain. So I pulled up the uh, since you brought it up. I pulled up the uh, Mitchell and Clarkson on court numbers on cleaning the glass. Um, 12, 33 possessions minus 1.3 differential. The offense was one sixteen point five. 
their defense was in the 13th percentile at 117.9. So they basically played like the Kings when they had Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson out there. I think Jared Butler low-key is going to be one of the biggest. I think he might make an all-rookie team next year because his defense, like he played really good defense at Baylor. I always want to say Butler when I'm talking about Jared Butler and I, you know, I have to keep myself from making this mistake, but he was a really good defensive player at Baylor. And he can make open threes. And I think that's, what's going to get him in the rotation. He'll basically be their guard Royce O'Neal, right? The Rudy Gay thing. This is where his addition stands out for me, by the way, I keep forgetting to do this. My ceiling for them is first. My floor for them is fifth. I can see a lot of different things happening for them. I actually probably am too low for them on the floor. I probably should have them like fourth and third. But I think that Rudy Gay gives them an element of playing small ball five. I don't think Whiteside is going to play in the playoffs at all. I think in the regular season, he'll be fine. You know, they'll throw him in for like 15 minutes a game. You know, he'll, you know, get a couple of rebounds, get a couple of blocks, you know, get a couple of dunks, you know, scream on Snapchat like he usually does. And I think that, he can, you know, in the regular season, he'll be a good stopgap. He wasn't that for the Kings last year, but that's whatever. Um, I just think that they have a lot deeper of a team. Plus, I don't think you brought up Eric Pascal. Like, he's on the Jazz now, too. So, they have a lot better. Like, they kept pretty much all their players, replaced Niang with Rudy Gay, and they added Jared Butler and Eric Pascal. And I think the team's going to be better as a result. I think that this team, I don't think they'll win the finals. I think that they can get to the conference finals. It would take luck. <laughs> it would take the right matchups, but I think that they can get to the conference finals. I think that they're that good. Um, in the interest of time, <laughs> since we, we spilled a lot of uh, words into microphones about the jazz this summer, let's talk about the golden state warriors. What is your ceiling and floor for the warriors? So I have them as a ceiling of two and a floor of six. So Obviously, Clay Thompson is a huge factor here. And I think you could easily make an argument that both of those numbers are too high because we don't know what Clay Thompson is going to be. And is he going to come back right off the bat or is he going to miss some time? No, I don't think he's supposed to come back till Christmas. Okay. So, yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, they, I think last year was kind of a good time for their guards to develop. And I think they're going to be good this year. Like Jordan Poole was very good last year at times. And I think right now he's kind of slated to start. Who knows if that holds true throughout time. But, I mean, Michael Mulder had minutes. Damian Lee had some time. Like, you don't want these guys to – you're not going to lean on these guys very much. But I think Jordan Poole, though, I think Jordan Poole is the guy you can lean on. Like – I think he kind of reminds me of Simons a little bit, but better. I think he's a better version of Simons where, like, you know he can get points. Um, And I think he's going to be more consistent than Simons. So I think he's fine, and he plays well with Curry. So I'm I'm fine with that until Clay gets back. And, again, Wiggins, fully vaxxed. Shout out to him for that decision. Um, Wiggins is, is, again, I think he's a really nice fit with this team, as we saw last year. Draymond Green, like, he's going to score four points and then have, like, 14 assists. You know, that's just what he is. And it's it works out. Kavon Looney is, like, I just like Kavon Looney. And, man, 
when I say he was their best center this year, like, I don't say that lightly. Like, God, he killed everyone. Wiseman, the lineups with Wiseman are horrible. And obviously he got hurt, but man, they were terrible with Wiseman on the floor. I'm imagining he'll probably come off the bench this year, at least to start. Like, he was a rookie. Rookie centers usually suck, so we'll see what he becomes. But, man, it was bad when he was healthy last year. Otto Porter Jr., like, I don't know. I don't want to judge him too much when he – wasn't he on Orlando last year? Like Orlando and Chicago, two two great locations last year. Was he even did he even play for the Bulls? Like I know he got traded with Carter, but he played twenty five games, shot forty percent from three, started six of those games. Okay, so may, maybe he still got it. Like we haven't seen it in a while because he kind of cashed out and then just kind of chilled, you know. Which which is a is a as a person that likes to make money myself, I respect. But when we're talking about basketball here. It's uh, a little worrisome, but well, as a bench, as a bench shooter, like he's probably going to be a nice fit next to Draymond and Steph um, at times. Moses Moody, I don't expect a lot. And listen, I, I don't want to root against Moses Moody. Okay. But I'm still, I'm still fuming after the draft that the Pacers fans are just so upset about Duarte. By the way, have you watched Duarte? The kid is a better I think he's Malcolm Brogdon. I, I watched him in college. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, like I think he's Malcolm Brogdon. I really do. That he he doesn't have the quickest first step. He can handle the ball. He is a dead eye shooter. He's a good passer. Like the kid is going to be awesome this year. And everyone wants Moses Mooney because he has more upside. It's like, all right, let's wait until he can drink alcohol first, people. All right, like. And by the way, the Warriors wanted Duarte. They said, please take Moody and picks. We want Duarte. So they were desperate to get him. So I'm not expecting Moody to have a huge impact this year. Kaminga, maybe. I haven't seen much from him. He seems interesting just, you know, based on the skill set. But I don't know. Like, I this this team to me right now is Curry, Wiggins, and Green until Clay gets back. And... I just I think Clay is going to be good right off the bat. Like I'm, that's why I'm not worried because you know his defense will probably take a step down. But what does that mean for one of the best defenders in the league? Like he's still going to be a pretty good defender, and he's probably going to be one of the best shooters in the league. I think that this Warriors team has is first of all it's way more talented than last year. Like looking at the rotation I had listed for the last year Warriors. <laughs> Curry, Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, James Wiseman, Brad Wanamaker, Kent Bazemore, Pascal, and Looney. This year, you know, we got Curry, Thompson when he can, Wiggins, Green, Looney, Poole, Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman, Bielitsa, Porter, Juan T, Iguodala, and Avery Bradley. And you know Iguodala is going to play. <laughs> like, he can, he can still play. I, I know he looked bad against the Bucks last year, but I'm Confident he'll still look good in Golden State somehow. And Avery Bradley, by the way, really, really sneaky signing. I really like that for them. Like, people forget because he wasn't great last year. He was really good for the Lakers in 2020. Really good. And he sat out because his kid, you know, he was scared of his kid getting COVID. 
And then last year, you know, it was pretty nondescript for him. He signed in Miami and that didn't work. And then he got shipped to Houston in the um, Oladipo trade. I think that that could work. I think he's going to get rotation minutes. I mean, just the depth on this team is so much better. Like even without the three rookies, right? Or I'm counting Wiseman as a rookie, but without the three prospects. I mean, if you just had a team with Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Green, Looney, Poole, Bielitsa, Wanti, Iggy, Avery Bradley, and Otto Porter, like that team can legitimately make some noise. I don't know if they'll have my ceiling for them was second. My floor for them was seventh. So I think that there's a lot of different ways they can go. Um, you know, it all just depends on when Clay comes back and what he's like. Like, I don't think he'll be the defender he was. I don't think that's a realistic expectation for him. And I think, frankly, it's unfair. I do think if he can be the same movement shooter, that unlocks so much of their offense and it frees up Curry to do so much more. Last year, we agreed, was Curry's best season. And if he gets a little worse, that's like, in the grand scheme, that's not much worse, right? He goes from having a prime Steph season to, you know, the best Damian Lillard season. You know, no shots at Damian Lillard, but that's just like how good Steph is, right? So I'll be curious to see what that unlocks. Um, Bielitsa and Porter just are better shooters. I don't know. I think the Warriors can make noise. I wouldn't be surprised if they get home court at all. At all. I also wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, get the top playing spot. I could see it going a lot of different ways for them. Yeah, I mean, it's an Avery Bradley point is good. I, I saw his name. and I didn't know if I want to throw him out there because who knows? Like, who knows? I, I definitely could see him being good, but also could see him doing nothing like it. it we'll have to see how it goes. I'm curious what happened to Eric Pascal, though. Like what how, did, did they not want him back? Like that was kind of surprising. I don't know. I well, first of all, him and Donovan Mitchell are boys. So. That he had kind of restricted though, right? Yeah, he should have been restricted. Um, I just think, well, they he probably was only on a three-year contract, so they definitely didn't want to pay him, which understandable, you know, given yeah. the salary cap constraints that they have. <laughs> I would understand not wanting to pay. But he wasn't even in the rotation by the end of the year, if you remember. They were playing six guys. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not surprised that he's gone. Um I'm not surprised Bazemore is gone. Like, I think that this team will make some noise because they're just, they make more sense in Steve Kerr's style. Steve Kerr, okay. Wiseman thing. Steve Kerr didn't accommodate Wiseman the way, and I, I understand, right? You're trying to compete. You have Steph Curry, you have Draymond Green. But they should have been better about accommodating Wiseman, right? Like setting more pick and rolls, setting more. You can't do that stuff when Draymond's out there, but you should have staggered them so you get Steph playing with Wiseman and you get Steph doing the stuff with Wiseman that Wiseman's best at. Like Wiseman's not going to come in and be a a post-up big guy his rookie year, right? Like that's not going to happen. We don't have big guys like that anymore. The best way to use a guy like Wiseman is as a lob threat and – why is, we didn't get to see that last year. I'll be curious to see if we get it. I don't know what to expect from Kuminga. I wouldn't be surprised if Moody cracks the rotation, though, over Kuminga. I think Moody plays a position of need for them, like that 2-3 spot. And Kuminga's more of a 3-4, and they have a lot of those guys. So I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see how Kerr delegates his rotations, how he load manages, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond gets a lot of load managing this year. Any other Warriors thoughts before we move on to the top two teams in the Western Conference? 
I mean, I think those three prospects do offer a good amount of upside, but they're also all three pretty raw. Like, that's what I worry about. Um, like, Moody, I would guess, is probably the most, like, the guy you could easily ist. That's not the word. Most easily. Most easily (laughs) slide in uh, with, with those guys, but... You know, having having the the veterans is good, and it would be really great if they could get if they could get two of those three guys to like be contributing by the end of the season. I think that would be great. But man, they're pretty raw, and like that's why they wanted Duarte. And I'm sure they didn't want Kaminga either. I'm sure they would have loved to have traded those picks for someone else. Like I was thinking, they probably would have traded Kaminga and Wiseman for like Miles Turner in a heartbeat. You know. Like they, they would much rather have a guy like that, but Pacers and probably a lot of other teams were just like, yeah, we're okay. Right. I mean, the Warriors were trying to trade their picks for other teams, you know, their trash for other teams gold, which is not fair because that's the seventh and 14th picks in the draft. But, you know, it's the way it goes because that Minnesota pick was top three protected and they weren't really going to fall to fourth. The only options they had were basically... Like, well, I think four was an option, but if it got into the top three, they weren't going to keep it. So they were kind of in a bad position to begin with with Minnesota's pick, but I don't know. I think that Wiseman could break out. I think Kuminga, you know, getting that guy in your system could be a good thing, but who's to say, you know, we, those guys are so young that it's weird to see a team. I think like himself has said, he's trying to win and trying to develop. And those two things just contradict each other in so many different ways that it just, this team kind of feels like they're kind of listless in a sense, because you can't be on two tracks at the same time. We saw this hell. We just saw this with the Celtics, right? They were trying to win and they were trying to develop Tatum and Brown. Well, Tatum and Brown are really damn good players now. But you blew a perfect opportunity you had with Kyrie and Al Horford. If you went in all in and just said, hey, Tatum, Brown, you guys kind of take a backseat, you know, like be background guys. Then they might have won the championship in 2017 or 18, but they didn't. And I think that that's all, you know, just because they couldn't pick a lane. And I think the Warriors need to heed that lesson. And I don't think they will. Yeah, I mean, they they could have traded for Kawhi. They could have traded for Anthony Davis. Like we, they could have traded for Paul George. Like they, they talked about it. We made, we made fun of Danny Ainge for it forever. And his retirement will not stop us from that. Okay. Like he had a chance to get those guys and he just kept kicking the can down the road. He's like, you know what? Let's, let's keep getting young guys and old guys at the same time. Let's, let's try to win every trade and it'll work out. And guess what? It never worked out. They've made the Eastern Conference Finals a million times in a row, but they've never been able to get past it. Exactly. Exactly. We'll see how they do this year. We'll talk about them more when we do our Eastern Conference preview. But for now, Dylan, tier one for Dylan Hughes, our last two teams. Which team would you like to start with? Because there's literally only two you can do. <laughs> so which team are you going with first? So we'll go ahead and talk about the Suns first. Okay. Uh, the the reigning West champs, okay. So shout out to them for that. You know, I think it's fair to say that we were both rooting for the Bucks in the finals, but we were happy to see the Suns there. Like I would have had zero problem with them winning. 
because I would love to see Chris Paul get a ring and all that, but it did not happen. So, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think Chris Paul's got to be due to like step back somewhat. Like I really have a tough time seeing him have a similar year that he did last year. And I mean, we saw in the playoffs, like there were a lot of games. He just didn't have it. So as far as like playoffs, I mean, we're not talking about that right now. I don't think they're going to have the same run as they did last year, even though they have such great young talent. But I mean, I still, I have them for both of these two teams. I have a a ceiling of one and a floor of three. I mean, there's just, there's just so much talent. They could withstand injuries. Like they, they've got plenty of depth. I mean, their biggest problem was center. They got JaVale McGee. You know, JaVale McGee is a really nice backup center. And maybe Jalen Smith will be better this year, but they probably don't care. Like, they're not they're not going to rely on Jalen Smith. Um, Landry Shamit, pretty decent addition. Um, Elford Payton, terrible addition. But he'll never see the floor. I'll pray. I'm going to pray every night that he doesn't see the floor. Um, so that you don't have to worry about that. But, you know, they've got Jay Crowder still. There. They've got everyone. Like, this this team is going to is gonna be another buzzsaw, I think, this year. Um, but, like, I, I could see them as the number one seed for sure. I still think I would bet more on, on the Nuggets. But, I mean, when you're running back a team that just made the West Finals, it's kind of hard to doubt them. Yeah, and they're going to use that experience as a, a springboard. So I had their ceiling at one and their floor at four. Um, I respect the teams at the top of the West a lot. So I think that there's a lot of room for maneuvering there. Um, realistically, I have them as a two, three seed. It feels weird because I'm kind of penciling them in for getting Thad Young, even though it hasn't happened yet. Like the, the salaries for Sarich and Smith match up perfectly with what Thad's making. And if they get Thad, that might shift the West their way because they would have a really deep team. I mean, you have the shot creator in Booker. You have the guy who can do it secondarily in CP3. And even if he does take a step back, there's still a shot that he can do enough to get them to the promised land, which is the finals losing to the Nets or the Bucks again. But (laughs) I mean, Aiton was really good last year. JaVale McGee, I think, He's not better than Dario Saric, but he's way better than Frank Kaminsky. Like, he'll be able to play in playoff games. And I think, you know, playing with a guy like Chris Ball, you know, that might... <laughs> you don't realize JaVale McGee's... I think this will be his 15th season. <laughs> yeah, I, when, you, when you just said that about JaVale McGee in the playoffs, I just instantly thought, I'm like, isn't it hilarious after, like, the Wizards years that JaVale McGee is still in the league? Like, he was kind of a joke back then. But, like, you re- you had to recognize that he was talented, but he was still kind of a joke at the same time. Like, I'm remembering the one play where he was, like, throwing a half-court buzzer beater and just sailed it into the stands. Like, he was a joke. But he was talented, and he's really he's really made a hell of a career out of, out of all that. Yeah, I mean, three-time champion, you know, it could have been four certain points. I mean, he's been really good. <laughs> through his whole NBA career. I thought he was really good in LA, really good in Golden State. 
Yeah, he's only going to be 34 this year. So there's a chance, you know, he has kind of like a late career revital. Like think Tyson Chandler on the Suns, ironically, where Tyson Chandler's first year on the Suns was really good. So I think that there's a chance, you know, he can make a huge impact there. I think Shamit is going to be great for their second units. Um, and you'll have players that can actually max ma- mask his weaknesses, unlike some of his other previous locations. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I just really think the Suns, if Kawhi and Jamal Murray don't come back to full health, I think I would have them as my favorites to come out of the Western Conference. Like, but I'm guessing both of those guys will. So I have them third right now. And I'd have the Lakers fourth and the Warriors fifth. I think that those teams are all kind of similar amounts of quality. I obviously think the Clippers are the best of those teams that I previously established, but I think the Suns didn't get any worse. Um, I think even if Chris Paul takes a step back, there's a chance Devin Booker takes another step forward. He was really good in the playoffs last year. Like, I think we kind of forgot after how watching how dominant Giannis was, how good Devin Booker got. And there's still room to grow. He's only like 24, I think. Or he's only just 25. Let's see. Let's check the age because he's really young. Yeah, he's turning 20. He's going to be turning 25 like the second week of the NBA season. So there's still room for him to grow. He's really good. I think there's a chance he jumps into the top 15 next year. And there's a chance they make the finals again. Yeah, I mean, that chance is there. And by the way, let's not leave out a Mikhail Bridges jump as well. I mean, that that's the thing that's beautiful about this team and Aiden. Like, they have that mix of youth and veteran leadership where, you, you know, they've got long-term upside and they've got potential to grow now but they also have the pieces like Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, JaVale McGee that give them that floor of being able to compete now and, and be awesome. And I mean, that they mixed perfectly last year and that's why they made it as far as they did. And really there's no reason why they couldn't do it again. It's just, they have to, they have to beat the Clippers again and they have to beat the Nuggets again. And I did think the Clippers would have beaten the Suns last year with Kawhi, but, you know, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. They did have tremendous injury luck against them, but Chris Paul also did, like, seem to dislocate his soldier shoulder in round one, and they still came back and beat the Lakers, for what that's worth. I think that they're just an incredibly resilient team that's going to be made even more resilient. Like, we don't see teams get worse <laughs> after making the finals. Like, we don't see them, like, regress we like, especially young teams, we see them get better. We see them take a step forward. And I think the Suns are due for a big step forward, not big step. Cause they won 50 games last year, but uh, like a step forward next year where they win maybe like 55 games this year. Yeah. And like, that's why it's hard to see them not getting, I mean, you gave them a, a floor of four. And I mean, that's fair. Like I, I think the odds of them falling out of the top four seeds is really low. Like, even if they have some injuries, they they have decent depth. Like, I'm not going to say campaign is even half the player of Chris Paul, but, man, he has filled in valiantly at times in the past. So, like, if you lose Chris Paul or Devin Booker, and those are the two biggest injuries you could have, obviously, I mean, they, they, have, they have the depth to sustain in the middle seat or the regular season. So, I think, I think they've, they're built to, to easily be a top three, four seed again. Absolutely. Um, 
I don't think I have anything else to add about the Suns. You know, the only reason I rooted against them in the finals was just specifically because of the hate we were getting from the Linsanity podcast. So, you know, need to set that record straight. But I, we picked the Suns the first week of the season and they made the finals. So I feel like we were a little vindicated there. Um, the last team you have is the Denver Nuggets. You said you had them as a... a a ceiling of one, a floor of three. I'm a little bit lower on them just because of Jamal Murray. I have them at a floor, a ceiling of three and a floor of six, probably a little too low on them considering the depth they have. But this is my question. Are you banking on like an even bigger Michael Porter Jr. Explosion than he had last year? Yeah. I mean, I just think I talk about it all the time. I just think he's like the, the glove to Jokic's hand. I mean, it's just such a great fit. And he he's gotten better every year. Like he gets he's gotten better on defense. I think he's smarter on offense with the decision making, like the shot, uh, the decisions with the shot. And he's always been a tremendous rebounder. I think he's he was a lot more consistent on offense last year. Like not only was he more productive, but he was more consistent. And I actually think that's a bigger deal. Like Something that Bill Simmons used to always say about Kevin Durant is that he would much rather score 30 points like 50 games in a row rather than have a handful of 50-point games. Like I, I think that's the right way to go about it if you want to be a consistently awesome player is just be consistently awesome. Like you don't have to provide insane upside all the time. And, I mean, that's great. Like Jamal Murray provides that. I don't think Michael Porter Jr. has to be the guy that scores 50 points every once in a while. I think he needs to be the guy that gets you 25 to 30, like two times a week, you know, and the other games he's getting 20 points. Like, I think that's something that he can do. And after last season, I, I have a little bit more trust in him with that. And this team is probably best set up to lose uh, an all-star point guard compared to anyone else. Like, Monte Morris is starting on a lot of teams in the league. I mean, he is starting on a lot of teams. And there's a lot of good point guards, but Monte Morris, like, he could start on a hand, uh, on a good amount of teams. Like, he is a very, very good player. He's also a good fit with Jokic. Like, very complimentary skill set. So, is he worse than Jamal Murray? Absolutely. But he's a guy that the, he's going to hold the uh, fort or whatever the hell the saying is. Like, he's... He's fine. Like he's, I'm not too worried about that. I still kind of hate Composo, but he kind of won me over at points last year. Like he's fine as a backup. Austin Rivers is obviously still there. PJ Dozier has his moments. Um, so, you know, I'm okay with their guard situation. Will Barton starting uh, at the two. So don't love it as much as I, I don't like Barton as much as I used to, but he's still, he's still fine. And then, you know, Aaron Gordon, again, not a huge amount of trust on offense, but defense is really what they brought him for anyway. And Jeff Green, man, Jeff Green was a huge pickup. He was awesome for Brooklyn last year. And he's kind of underratedly been awesome for like three years in a row. So I think this that was a huge pickup for them. And, I mean, their, their depth is just a lot better than it was last year. And if they can get Murray back relatively soon and healthy – I mean, they're they're a, a shot at the moon. Would you agree with it? I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to ask you if you agree with it. 
Would you say the best four teams in the NBA in no order are the Nets, the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Nuggets? Would, do you agree with that statement? I think that's fair. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Miami snuck in there, but I think right now that's fair. We are totally, you know, if anyone... Like there is a lot of, you know, NBA podcasts that could be said to have an anti-Lakers bias. I think we're the one that holds the most truth for. We hate the Lakers, but we have valid reasons for it. But I think a guy, two guys you didn't mention, because I agree with pretty much everything you said. I love Barton. I wait to um I want to see him play well next year. Um Gordon, I'm really excited to watch with a training camp. Two guys, Bones Highland, their first round pick, who out of VCU, who puts the ball in the basket and that's it. Like, But off the bench, they're going to need that punch from him. Then Jamichael Green has been really good for a while now. For a couple of years now, Jamichael Green's been a player who's been, you know, nothing but consistent, nothing but just really good for the Nuggets. And I think that he, like... Having the greens, their bench unit is going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, and then getting Murray back in like March, February, March is going to be huge for them. They, you know, they might go on a run after that. And I think that if Murray can bounce back to where he was in the 2020 playoffs, which doesn't seem unlikely or seems very likely, I'll say better way to phrase that. I think that they can, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the West next year. Like, even if they struggle out of the gate, I think that there's a chance that they win the West. And plus, Jokic is still fucking Jokic. (laughs) So, they have a really deep team, like you said. And you're right. They're probably one of the teams that's best suited to lose. Ironically, the Clippers and the Nuggets are probably the two best teams best suited to lose a Stars in the ways that they did. And I think that they both will be in the top, if not top half, they'll both be in the playoffs easily. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's kind of funny that we don't even really worry about Michael Porter Jr. or Michael Porter Jr.'s injury, like, past at this point. Like, I mean, he's just – ever since that first year, really, he hasn't had issues. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not worried about that. Obviously, that is something that could theoretically throw this off the tracks. Um, but – you know, I, I think that they're they're built to sustain injuries, and yeah, like when you look at the top of the West, I just think because what I really look for is I don't look as much at upside as I do downside, right? And that's why I'm lower on the Lakers because, and that's why I'm lower on the Mavs too. I think is where can it go wrong? If there's a ton of glaring holes it's just going to be hard for me to get excited about you. But if you're the Suns, the Jazz, or the Nuggets, I mean, what holes do those teams really have right now? You know, like the the Nuggets have the biggest hole technically, and they have good depth to kind of make up for it in the meantime. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with these top teams is they have the least amount of holes because the regular season, when you think about it, it's really just about maintaining like you obviously want to win as many games as you can, but the teams that are, that they're good enough and they know it, they're trying to maintain because 
we've seen LeBron in the past. LeBron teams almost always get the number one seed, but look at when they got the number four seed in Cleveland. He didn't care that they were the number four seed. He knew he was going to run through the East anyway. Like these teams, they don't really care. As long as they get home court advantage, they're fine. And that's kind of how I look at the West because it, it's close. Like there's, there's a bunch of teams that could definitely get the number one seed, but it's more about maintaining. And that's why I look at the holes and the nuggets. They just seem out of everyone to have the best mix of upside and the lowest risk, the lowest amount of risk as well. And that's, I think that's a good way to wrap it up because I agree with everything you've just said. So, and we got to wrap it up because this one was a long one. I think I forgot. I didn't realize how long it would be, but that's okay. We went in depth on like every team. So don't say we didn't talk about your team because we did. We might have trashed a couple like the Lakers and the Mavericks, but you know, that is what it is, but it's time to plug. No pressure. Finding happiness in a fear driven world by Dylan Hughes, my co-host here. Listen, all right, just buy the book, man. I'm going to go to your favorite restaurant and I'm going to tell them that you say bad things about the chef all the time. Like you say, this food is the worst food I've ever eaten. Mm. Like I'm going to say, you know, this dude said, you know, this, I wouldn't eat this food if you paid me to do it. So I'm going to tell them that at your favorite restaurant and they're, you know, they're going to be like, okay, but this dude comes in here all the time. I'm like, yeah, he's forced to do it. Like it's for a reality show. They're making him eat this (laughs) out of, I'm going to create some intricate lie and they're going to believe it because you know, that's, that's just what's going to happen. If you don't buy no pressure, finding happiness in a fear driven world. How is that one, Dylan? I mean, God, the, the chance of getting spit or hair mixed in is so high when you say that. And especially when they continuously come in, because that at first I'm trying to poke holes in it. Right. And usually you do a good job. Like there it's tough to poke holes in this one. I'm like, okay, if you wouldn't pay him to do it, why does he keep coming in? But throwing in the fact that he's being paid for a reality show to do this, he has to do it. That's where it's like, okay, you have to come in. You got no choice, buddy. And enjoy this loogie right here. I mean, that is, I mean, you could literally die in this day and age. You could die. To not spend ten dollars for the physical copy or six for the ebook, unbelievable! How dare you, sir? How dare you? And that actually reminds me, because now I have sufficient funds, I'm going to buy the book. So if I, when I have sufficient funds, can buy the book, you bet you're asking buy the book. So, um, Divine Rhyme, you guys are starting your Kendrick Lamar week. I think I'm going to put that out. So I think I'm going to put this out on Monday the 11th so that way we kind of have a similar continuity going so that'll be out probably on friday the 8th i'm gonna say yeah because i'm gonna try to i tried to i don't like posting two podcasts in one day but sometimes it's what i gotta do so i think i'm gonna post the the divine rhyme on friday the 8th i'm gonna post linsanity the week four coverage it's already four weeks into the nfl season we're getting basketball season starting up baseball playoffs are starting i mean dylan and WNBA playoffs are going on like so much sports going on right now yeah, I'm really happy that golf is done for the year pretty much because, man, I don't have the bandwidth for this stuff. Like every month I get more responsibilities in my job. OK, I've got two podcasts. I have a dog to pay attention to. I've got to run a few miles, like not a few miles a day, but like a few miles every few days. Like I've got stuff to do. I have to watch a bunch of basketball and football. 
And I'll say I'm probably going to sacrifice the baseball playoffs for the most part because, God, like the Reds just drain my spirit more and more each year. But, you know, it's it's one of those times a year, man. It, it's kind of like um, I think it's March where you've got the NCAA going. You've got like you're coming off the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe it's February, I guess it's more important because you got the Super Bowl, like you got all kinds of stuff going on. It's kind of one of those times where everything's going on at once. It's just, it's fun to be a sports fan, but it's also a lot to deal it's with. A, it's a lot. We're going to have to decide our teams pretty soon. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Our first teams, our first three teams. So that'll be fun. Um, triple option pass. You know, both of them are very busy at their jobs. So I try not to pressure them. I'm going to try to have them get an episode state of college football up kind of soon. So then circle city cinema. Um, it's kind of an old one at this point, but the superhero movie draft, that was a lot of fun to do. So make sure you check that out. I think this is going to clock in at just under two and a half hours, Dylan. This what? It was a ball. Yeah, we started at 7.04 Eastern. It's 9.27. But I'm going to time stamp it. So if you don't want to listen to all of us, like if you don't want to listen to our thoughts on the Grizzlies and stuff, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to. But just in case. I mean, Dylan, I can't thank you enough for bearing with, through this with me and in having such a fun time doing it. <laughs> We've been on our call for four hours. Yes, we have I, been. And hey, we got a lot done, okay? Before the basketball, we basically just dismantled everything about society. So this was a very productive day. So I, I appreciate it. Yes, my brain is well extended and well used. So can Eastern Conference might go longer. <laughs> so I hope not. But I tried my best to get a good pace. But if you made it all the way through this, Dylan Hughes will make you a cake. So... I will. Yes. You deserve it. So Dylan, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. 